0: Tune in to the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: That's the way, uh, uh 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 the papers are talking about gloomy weather till Thursday. Like this morning, they're saying more gloom as the summer sun will take a break until Thursday. And by then, it'll be sunshine through cloud. Meanwhile, right across the pond in the U.K., particularly in southern areas, they'll have a heat wave this week. Ridiculous heat mid-twenties with loads of sunshine. But that's the way. Our time will come again. Lines open, 1850, 104, 106. Frontier, the Echo this morning talks about something that is already evident in the city. Gardies mounting patrols on buses and more and more, um, Gardaí presence uh, on the streets. A front pager. Uh, Gardy mounting patrols on Cork City buses identified as trouble roots following a number of violent incidents and uh, concerns around knife crime last year 140 knives shivs and the, the shivs are kind of like um you know Cobbled together blades and stuff like that. Uh, and other weapons like that were, were seized by Gardi and up to uh, 130 the previous year. So the problems with knife crime is on the increase here in Lisa. I see it in court reports an awful lot of the time now. Like, for instance, stabbing incidents on the rise right across the county. It's not just a city thing, according to the Echo. In the past week, there have been two serious incidents of knife crime uh, before the courts. There are other issues involving the courts this morning where it's a car to got a year jail for possession of, uh, of, um, of of cocaine um, and then of course uh, one of the big stories of course of the last few days is the horrific murder of Garda, uh, Colm Horkin and Garda stations right across the country and we weren't found lacking here in Cork with uh, vigils and a minute silence outside all uh, Garda stations across the country and across Cork City and County. There's photographs in the examiner this morning uh, from uh, a height looking down on Anglesey Street Garda station uh, and would put shivers up your spine um, there was a ceremony where the tricolour flew at half-mast and all of the Guardi were there. The Lord Mayor, Councillor Joe Cavana was there. The bishops of Cork were there. And this, uh, they um, uh, observed a, a minute's silence uh, just before midday yesterday. Um, of course, so we talk about weapons. You we talk about blades, knives. What about samurai swords and machetes? This is a story making all of the papers today, particularly the red tops. It's a story of a mum who was killed with a samurai sword, um, and a uh, mum of two, actually, stabbed to death with a samurai sword at her home yesterday. She was named as Jean Eagers, a 57-year-old doubler, died uh, at home, horror attack. Her son ran out of the house to try and get help, and a 60-year-old man has been arrested and detained at Blanchestown Garda station. Uh, the son made a frantic dash to a neighbour's house, apparently, in, in a bid to raise the alarm to save his mam's life. She died at the scene. Oh, this story is making the papers. Hate eh, to be starting off the week with uh, such doom and gloom in the papers, but uh, I guess bad news sells for newspapers, doesn't it? Uh, nearly thirty percent of students in uh, Irish universities have been sexually assaulted. I mean, it's a, a horrific story. A thousand rapes revealed today. Um, the victims were incapacitated, forced into sexual activity, or, or threatened. Now, a lot of it, of course, would have been physical assault where um they were actually, uh you know, physically restrained, beaten, held down and raped. Uh, other women then, unfortunately, were taken advantage of if they were intoxicated with drink or with drugs. But there's a fairly detailed report from, uh, you know, the, the worries of students in, in Irish universities and all of the papers today. And after... We come out of all of this lockdown and we move through the phases. Next Monday is a big day. I'll come back to that a little later on. But apparently we're going to have much fatter kids uh, because what my understanding, my interpretation of it is, is that what was normally a treat before all of this stuff um, and COVID-19 has become very much the norm in way too many houses in Ireland. So the obesity epidemic that was there amongst our children is going to be a hell of a lot worse after lockdown and we get back to living our lives fully. Um, because mothers, it says mothers, which is kind of sexist, really. Anyway, mothers uh, are pulling their hair out with kids who have gained so much weight uh, and alarm bells are ringing amongst doctors now and childcare experts that the kids will be Wadlin back to school. Meanwhile, restaurants, um, I guess they get a bite of the cherry from next Monday to some extent, but half of them will just have to close according to the Restaurant Association of Ireland. They just won't be able to do it, not with all of the bills that they'll have to meet, all of the requirements they have to um, uh, to follow and... Uh, you know, 50% of their customers gone because it could have been an awful lot worse it could have been 75 with the 2 metre but it'll be 50 with the 1 metre so perhaps we'll have more on that throughout the course in the morning in the UK they're going to open their pubs faster than us and the English Times this morning says the British pub will open again on July 4th um, won't be the same here for some weeks to come Get a bit of a bite of the cherry if you order a meal for Monday. But pubs and bars and restaurants in the UK will all open on July 4th. But hear this. They're going to take the names and addresses of every single drinker. Go and work that one out. You'd think would have an app for that kind of thing, wouldn't you? And if you thought that people would be slow to get on an airplane and go on their holidays, the Mirror this morning says that 80% of people, 80, 8 out of 10 people surveyed, said that they are mad keen to book a holiday once the restrictions are lifted. Get me on to that metal tube, up in the sky, and get me somewhere hot. Air France are resuming flights to Paris on uh, July 1st, if you're interested in that. And we had a lot of win on Lee's side. 6.9 million. I mean, we secretly are, del- we, we, we say we're delighted for them. But we secretly hate lot of winners, don't we? Because we want to be them. Lucky of winner in the Rebel County is in seventh heaven this morning, according to The Sun. 6.9 million. Who are they? What are they going to do with it? And uh, Roy Keane made all of the papers of the weekend. Sadly, the interviews really are, are always kind of twisted somewhat with stupid headlines that they put to them. And it's a wonder that people don't give, in, give inter- interviews uh, to the press because of the headlines that sometimes go with them. And Pro Keane was uh, the subject of that with headlines across the weekend where they honed in on him saying, and here I am doing it to some extent. He says in the quotes, sometimes I was too hard. Sometimes I was too soft. If I was critical looking back at my own career and how I dealt with people, um, I, sometimes I was not, I was, sometimes I wasn't hard enough and I was too nice to people. Roy said, people stabbed me right in my chest. It wasn't in my back. Because I was too nice to them. The one thing about Roy Keane is I could listen to him all day long. And he says, if anybody wants to hire him because he thinks he's a funny man, forget about it. Mind you, I did see him at the back end of last week saying very critical things about a couple of Man United players on the pitch. At one stage, I, I think he's funny when he doesn't even mean to be funny. He said, I wouldn't let him into the dressing room. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let him onto the coach. I'd, I'd send him, I'd tell him to go get a taxi home probably not the best Roy Keane accent in the world. My apologies for that, but yeah, I made an effort anyway. You can't harm me for that. Anyway, all that and a lot more. And also, is a lovely, <coughs> a very funny story regarding Trump. He had an 18,000-seater uh, stadium, and apparently <laughs> very few people turned up for his rally down Oklahoma way. And apparently um, he he was he was hijacked By students and young people on TikTok who took to TikTok over the last few weeks and literally booked up all of the seats in the stadium, knowing that they were never, ever actually going to go. So he was furious. You want to see the face of him? He's like someone who just swallowed a wasp walking out onto the stage of the weekend. Uh, It was a wonder that he didn't blame the Chinese for it because he blames the Chinese for everything. But it was students. I think it was like 10 or 15. Uh, you know, like 10, 15, maybe 20% of the stadium was actually full. It should take 18,000, but you see huge areas of it empty. That's what they did. They took to uh, to TikTok and Snapchat, and because you get to book tickets for it. Book the tickets, and they never
0: showed up. The Neil Prenderville Show.
2: With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. You
1: can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. Lines are open. <clears throat> can I just show how, tell you how guarded presence on the streets or on the buses works particularly on the streets a lovely update from a buddy of mine who's a taxi driver and he worked across the weekend and he was in the city and he was out around blarney and he was in cove over the weekend and he says in blarney and cove i was dropping people to both places the buzz was incredible. So much activity, ice creams everywhere, happy people with their loved ones enjoying the good weather, particularly on Saturday. Uh, all ready for the big opening next weekend. Um, mind you, he says, I have to say there's uh, groups of young boys still tearing around the footpaths on Patrick Street, and elderly people weren't too pleased with uh, with that carry on. But uh, JD Sports opening their new stunning uh, you know retail adventure on Patrick Street is proving very very popular. The city was at the weekend and he said a major difference to Cork City is the new crime force in play. City streets are finally safer for people to walk around and not being pestered for money. What a difference it's made with regards to more Gardie. Sunday saw the battle off of the loudest voice on Patrick Street. He said a young guy outside the EBS singing and a young girl outside Brown Thomas singing vying for attention. It was like a voice contest. Um, Ireland's got talent. Uh, people uh, living in Eagle Valley, Sarsfield Road, are worried, though. He dropped off some people there, and they were saying that there is um, a people carrier drug dealing in the area, by all accounts, uh, in front of their homes. And the guy involved is just staring down the residents, you know, brazenly dealing in drugs. So that's an, an issue. You want to be on alert there if you're living in the Sarsfield Road area. Um, And apparently, apparently it said that uh, pennies have recovered nearly all of their lost earnings over the three months in the last two weeks. Such has been the volume of people going in. Um, But unfortunately, uh, he was saying to me that some of the staff are getting a hard time from from customers who aren't particularly concerned with the two meter rule. Now, that's not the first time I heard that. Uh, In the earlier days, I don't know whether it's eased off or not. I was told people were on top of each other inside in pennies. And that's unfortunate, particularly when... You hear about the restrictions about people going to mass I, I just don't understand that like why 50 people inside in a church you could leave 200 people inside in the church and they could be two meters apart but i mean you may well come back to that it seems very unfair for those who want to go to mass that is lines are open at one 850 106 your calls are welcome on that and all other business text 086-8104-106 can i turn back to the death <coughs> death the murder of of cameron blair I mean, the court case, of course, uh, in, in April of a teenage boy. He was 17 years old. He's detained now at Oberstown uh, Children's Detention Campus, they call it. He'll stay there until he's 18 and then he'll move into an adult prison. Uh, but he's the teenager who murdered the 20-year-old college student, plunged a knife into his neck just outside a house party in Cork City. He got a life sentence. And Cameron's life, and I'm reading from um, a copy from... Uh, the newspapers at the time of the of the court case, uh, Cameron's life was taken in an extreme uh, act of violence, which was deliberate and totally unanticipated by Cameron. He was described as a peacemaker. Uh, and the judge at the time said that Cameron was a decent, hard-working young man who was held in high regard by all. And, of course, this happened on a rent, in a rental property on the Bandon Road in January 16th, 2020. And that's a date, and that is an episode... That none of us will forget. None more so than James McCarthy, a friend of Cameron Blair, who wrote a beautiful blog actually recently on um, the wonderful man that he called his friend Cameron Blair. And he joins me by phone. James, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are I, you? I think it actually had to do with celebrating and marking Cameron's twenty-first, wasn't it?
3: Um, yeah, it was Cameron's twenty-first birthday last Thursday. Um, so I didn't. I was unsure of how to make a tribute to Cameron. So. So I decided to write a blog and i just based on the fact that, I suppose, not everybody got the chance to meet Cameron and know what kind of guy he was. Um, so I decided to, yeah, to write a blog as best as I could about him. So yeah. So he kind of get a sense of the kind of guy he was, you know.
1: Well, I certainly got a sense. Um, you know, you had an awful lot of respect, admiration and pride of your best friend. Did you, uh, did you go to CIT with him? Did both of you do um, chemical engineering? Um, No, Neil.
3: Um, I was in CIT already, so I was a couple of years ahead of Cameron, but I met him through a friend actually on campus. And I suppose, as I described him in the blog, his his attitude and his positivity positivity was so infectious, like he was was almost impossible to not be friends with, you know. Um, So I suppose the minute I met him, we kind of became friends and then the friendship just grew on. And over the past few years, it just grew and grew. Um, but he was—he was actually from Bannons, where I'm from myself. So I'd heard his name and stuff like that, but I never actually met the guy. You know,
1: bit of a legend. Gosh. Bit of a legend, I hear that name.
3: Bit of a legend. Yeah, I suppose you could say he was fairly known in the place. Sorry, um, he was just—he was, just was confidence, and he was so caring and stuff that you know, he was kind of unforgettable. Like when when you were mentioning people, so his name kind of passed around a lot around
1: West Coast and things like that. You were saying actually, um and I'm just interpreting what you're saying, that he lived yeah. life, um, I think like burning the candle at both ends since ninety nine, which meant that even in his short life he lived a super life. Oh,
3: completely. I in mean, that was his own code on his Instagram page. But I mean me in the world, his parents had brought him travelling loads. He he did everything he wanted to do, you know. Um he went on holidays, he has so went to college, experienced all his
1: college. He, he literally was a guy He lived life to the fullest. And were people just um, magnetically attracted towards him then?
3: I think, I think to be honest, he was the kind of guy that even if you, even if you were kind of shy and you know you were kind of to of yourself, and you walked into a room, camera, rose, you'd notice that you were kind of insecure, and he's. He he helped you out like on the fly, you know. He would make a big deal. He'd kind of like make you comfortable, and I suppose people respected that about him. You know, he wasn't the kind of guy you always wanted to be with the cool kids or whatever you know the terms are. But he kind of respected everybody, and you know everybody was equal to him. So I suppose everybody respected him you know, in that regard.
4: Yeah,
1: but at the same time, the laugh and the centre of all the parties, the life of the party. What what was um yeah what was what was what was race day. You seem to you seem to look forward to race day every year. Tell me a little bit about that, where everybody got suited so, and booted and headed out to enjoy the day.
3: Race day, that was um, a shooting race day. Um, so a couple of us, it's kind of just a day where everyone just goes to the race course and you spend the day there, and you, it ends around six AM and you're home again. Um, but I suppose the fact of it was it was kind of. You know, it was a full day event. You're kind of getting suited up and everybody looked forward to this. Was that a
1: day when you took off the runners and the hoodies and the tracks and put on some decent yeah. clobber, was it? That? that was it. That was it
3: exactly, Neil, yeah. <laughs> so
1: and, th- and then in, in, you talk as well about uh, sitting around in the sitting room, buckets of milkshakes. You know, the thing about... My son's the same, actually, and he's nearly in his mid-twenties now. Cheese toasties. What is it with students and cheese toasties?
3: Um... To be honest, I, uh, that was more Cameron's thing, to be honest. Um, I suppose the buckets of milkshakes was kind of, you know, on a Friday evening or something, if you're after a week of college and you're all just kind of relaxing before you and told me you might order milkshakes. And then Cameron always talked about his... His mother's famous cheese toasties. But so that he'd say that he'd go home and, she'd be like, I can't wait to go home now, and my mom's going to make me cheese toasties and stuff like that. It's so the same in every household,
1: isn't it? It's not yeah, cheese toasties, it's huge, big bowls of breakfast cereal or stuff like that that you guys survive upon. Oh yeah, my
5: God! Ones you could turn off.
1: Yeah. yeah, I know. It's just it's just such a tragic thing. Um, you know, the, in in your blog, which is the equivalent of just for people don't know what a blog is, is a beautiful tribute that you just put from from the heart. You refer to uh, one hundred and twenty two. Is that the house on Bandon Road? No, that was uh,
3: student accommodation in Bishopstown Um So I never we never actually lived anywhere near that area. Any of us. Um, we always kind of lived kind of near the college near CIT. So he was visiting.
1: So, he was visiting the Bandon Road on that night. Then,
3: that, yeah, but that would have been a different house.
1: That would have been yeah, okay, yeah. That was his friend's house. But so one twenty two was your was the apartment in the student complex. Yeah, that was just accommodation, and that was the centre of his universe. It, yeah, it seemed to be. It seemed to be. Yeah, I know. I know. Where did you get the yeah. photograph of that uh, story regarding? This ingenious plan with the jacuzzi.
3: <laughs> so I think actually I took that photo myself. Um, so as you, as you probably read in the blog, there was no one. Kind of, I know, but hang on a second now. This, this is
4: it. not
1: like a posh jacuzzi. This is one of those inflatable ones, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> it is, yeah, it's an inflatable jacuzzi that one of the lads just brought up. Um, and we just said we'd fill it up just, just for the laugh. One day it wasn't anything. It was just the people kind of in the house, you know. Yeah. Um, it was short lived. It was short lived because you,
1: because you guys never think you you don't think two or three steps ahead. Goosey's fine. But where are you going to get the water? Yeah. Where's the water going to go yeah. from?
3: That's the thing. Uh, we figured it out in the end. Cameron's extremely intelligent. What so. did he do? Yeah, um, we were kind of we were kind of at odds for a small bit, and then we realized that there were so many vacuums actually in that house at the time that were are working Hoovers um, Hoovers yeah so we came up to the idea of just taking the the hoses off and joining up together and <laughs> kind of creating pressure so that it would flow out <laughs> did
1: it work? Uh, it worked it worked perfectly filled it up <laughs> but how'd you heat the water then was there kind of a heater game with that?
3: yeah like the jacuzzi comes with a heating device
1: so you just <laughs> plug it in and it just heats up after a couple of hours so were there many fun nights in the j- in the jacuzzi then with all of you?
3: Oh, no. No, there was literally, it was the next day and then it was taken down again because um, one of the guys who bought it, it was fairly expensive, so one of the guys who bought it just kind of wanted to do it for a couple of hours in the morning and then shut the whole thing down, you I know? For God's
1: sake, it's not worth all that effort really, is it?
3: Uh, no, it's not, I suppose, but it's a story now. It's a story you can kind of cherish with Cameron. So, it's, and and, and know, it's,
1: all about, it's all about it's all mean, about the stories and it's all about the memories, isn't it? Exactly. That's all we can kind of touch on to now. You said moment, Cameron uh. was ambitious, intelligent, and a hit with the ladies. But things that this was something he rarely bragged about. Is that right? He's, he was an incredibly good-looking lad.
3: He was, in fairness, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, as I said, I suppose his personality had a had a big impact with, with the with the girls as well. But you know, like it was clear that he was a good-looking lad. You know, he was strong and. He, I suppose, he was really sporty. Like you know, he did karate, he did rugby. He was an athlete as well in all regards. So he was kind of an all rounder, you know.
1: And would he talk often about what he was going to do with his life, where he was going to go, what what he was going to work at, things like that? Did you sit around and chat like that? We sat around chatting
3: with different sufferers. Like he wasn't, he never would say, "Oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that." But he was his main goal. Really, was just kind of be happy, you know, no matter what he did. But we all kind of. Knew, his intelligence was far beyond that of the norm. So, like, we all kind of had our expectations of where Cameron was going and, you know, where he was going to be, where he was meant to be and down the line.
1: Can I ask you, if you don't mind, James, about when you heard the news, though? Uh, we, 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 we know from the court case that there was a party on in the House Bandon Road that, of course, Cameron was there. He was described in court as being the peacemaker. Um, in fact, he wasn't even aware for some time that he had been stabbed uh, he extended the hand of friendship to to his murderer earlier in the night um, because they, they left people into the, but he was kind of like doorman at the time there was this teenager and two other friends came into the party uh, and then there was this uh, homeless man who came into the house because Cameron was concerned about him um, how, how did you react when you heard the news that that he had died? Um, I suppose I was back home in Bannon and
3: I I just got a message off one of the lads and they were looking for Cameron's mom's number um, and instantly I knew there was something wrong and I suppose it was kind of quiet in for an hour and I was
4: not sure what had
3: happened or, you know, what was going on and as you know, like, when things like this happen you, you're scrolling through Facebook, Twitter, you know to see if anything comes up and I just saw it on the media, to be honest with you I saw it, the media had got it out straight away um, I can't remember what exact... Uh, publication there and stuff like that or who the report was or anything but I suppose I found out on Twitter and um, I suppose for a long time it was shock I, would, I didn't really accept it you know for there was hours I think I just kind of stayed up all night just kind of sitting in the sitting room we met up the lads and we were just sitting in the sitting room of one of our houses just kind of at odds we didn't know what to say to each other we weren't really looking at each other we weren't we were just kind of being you know That's we right. actually yeah. living we were just trying to accept it and then I took a long time for it to actually set in you know I suppose there was kind of a long period after, you know,
0: they
4: had
3: to do the investigation and things like that. So it it was kind of, you know, even if we wanted that, we couldn't have accepted it straight away because there was so much still yet to come. Um,
1: but it was it was just absolute shock. For yeah, shock, for numbness, disbelief. Yeah, it's hard disbelief, to hard yeah. to take it in. You see, that it takes time. It really it's does. Hard, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he'd have been twenty one on Thursday. Um, what kind of a party would that have been like?
3: Um, Well, providing the lockdown restrictions, I'd say there wouldn't have been much of a party, but if if we disregard all that, it would have been a big party. I mean, as I said, Cameron was known all over. You know, it would have been no problem to get people to come to a party for him. Um, I suppose it was was a party we spoke about with Cameron last year and the year before, you know, when he was uh, was talking about his 18th and how such such a good night it was. And he was saying, oh, the 21st now, you know, it's going to be a big night. You know, it's going to be... Fun and stuff. So you know, we couldn't really. I didn't want really let it pass. Just as you know, oh yeah, it's Cameron's birthday, and that'd be it. So like, we kind of had to make a big deal out of it. You know, like yeah, yeah, make some sort of deal out of it. You know, we met up and we met up in Bannon and we went to the grave and stuff. And just spend a couple of hours. How
1: many of you? Us. Just a bunch of friends. Yeah, just the people
3: living in the house. We all kind of took turns. You know, like there's there's four or five in my house, so we went down for a while, then we came away, and then other people went. Um, just so that there'd be people there show the today
1: and just so that we weren't even you know are you telling me that to there to was a the vigil room. right across the day by his buddies
3: there would have been for quite from I think around 12 until about 5 or 6 o'clock there were people there rotating kind of you know as one person was going as one group were going there would have been another group come just that's so that such
1: a oh my god man that's such a beautiful thing
3: yeah so you know I suppose we wanted to spend the day with him in some in some regards as we would have you know um, but it was the best we can do, I suppose.
1: Talking earlier on about knife crime, it's on, it's on the increase. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, see, I don't know. I suppose split sec- scary, split second like, is all it takes just to rush of blood. Literally, yeah, a split second,
3: like you know. And as you can see, with Cameron, like all it would take is just one incident, and you know, I suppose the whole the whole backing behind the bag is all it's they kind of you know realize that to kind of get the message across to people that it's not just the life you're kind of and a piece of everybody who knew him as well yes. Um, yes it's more than just one person event like you know as you saw with Cameron the whole town nearly the county was talking about, you know, everyone was grieving for him and stuff like that so I suppose the message really is people need to kind of think about the consequences you know the after effects I suppose and things like that you know it's
1: uh, it's a final thing, like you know. I know, I know. Listen, it's a wonderful thing you did, and I just think that that's such a gorgeous thing to hold vigil at his graveside on his twenty-first birthday. His mates being there, I think that's a gorgeous thing. Um, and it, I think he'd be he'd be looking down and very proud to call you a friend. It was a lovely, lovely blog, James. Um, thanks so much for Thank taking the much. call and uh, remembering a wonderful young man. Uh, and uh, we send out our thought and love to all of his friends and also to his beautiful family. Aren't I right?
3: Yeah, that's
1: it, exactly. Okay, Thank my you. friend. Cheers, kid. Take care of yourself. Wonderful you. guy. Wonderful friends. You know, it's, it's amazing, actually. You know, the, the I think there's a great sense of camaraderie amongst the youth now, more so than ever before. I think they're much better now with regards to communicating, expressing their feelings. There's a typical example of it. Uh, we'll share that blog up on our social media platforms, James McCarthy blog. James McCarthy's blog. He blogs all of the time. It's called The Positive Push. But, um, yes, last Thursday would have been... Uh, Cameron Blair's 21st birthday and he didn't want that uh, day to pass without remark- without um, you know marking uh, a remarkable young man lines are open at one my apologies for the sometimes dodgy quality of the phone line back after these
0: text the Neil Prenderville show now 86
1: Red FM the late uh, Cameron Blair who would have been 21 last Thursday um, you know a remarkable young man just like detective Colm Horkin was a remarkable man and of course the weekend uh, the newspapers and online was just full of, of stories about Colm Horkin his life his family how he loves sport his colleagues and how, you know, wonderful a guy he was. And yesterday, Garda stations, of course, had a vigil outside the Garda stations. Flags flew at half-mast. There was uh, a 60-second silence and tribute to him, and uh, we were out and about for that. Seamus Whelan actually was in Yall yesterday at the Garda station there, and many, many people turned out to pay tribute to Detective Colm Horkin, just like they did all over the country. Uh, He tragically killed in last week's um, shooting in County Mayo. People were speaking uh, very much about how we should remember what an important and difficult job the guards do on our behalf every single day. God knows uh, we criticise the guardee, um, and really it shouldn't be the individual guardee that are criticised at all. It's the system and the legislation under which they have to work with, but that's probably for another day.
6: So this is from your guard station yesterday. Well, I'm here to pay my respects to Colum. I spent 30 years in the guard myself in Bishopstown. So it's a very sad day for the force. <laughs> As a family, really, we really miss him. The guards play a massive role in the communities and they're you know they're involved in, you know, the sporting aspect of it, um, helping out people and all that and, you know, generally keeping the, the show on the road. I, I had a fantastic uh, career myself, uh, looking back and I had some great times. Uh, obviously some bad times as well, you know, some tragic times. I had a few tragic occasions like this myself. You know, I was involved in a fatal accident where a member lost his life, you know, things like that. But, um... The, 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 good, the good far outweighs the bad. I'm here to pay my
7: respects to the guards that was shot. And uh, I have great respect for them. And I think they don't get half the credit that they deserve. And they should never be on their own. They should always have somebody with them. I have a nephew in the guards and he's down in, uh, in New Ross. You'll be worried about,
6: you know... So we're just here to show our support for the Gardaí. We, we deal an awful lot with the Gardaí on calls. We, you know, we'd be dealing with the guards in offland. They're always very good to us. From our point of view, we, we get called out now to a lot of things like drug overdoses, suicides. Guards are always called in those kind of cases. Very good. Great to have a presence there. Makes us feel safe then as well, you know, if there's a, a little bit kicking off. I'm
8: here like the rest of the responders to support the guards. You know what, they, put, they have a hard time all the time and I think they need the support of the community. They're there to try to keep us safe and I think they deserve the respect that they don't often get for doing that so to me they're an important part of the community if we didn't have them there'd be a lot of trouble in the town and they have a great presence here and they're a great bunch of guys to be honest so actually my own daughter is aiming towards becoming a detective
9: so it's a part of a million percent yeah
3: well first of all my heart goes out to colin harkin and all his family because i'm a mother of six and i have a 49 year old and um, I appreciate the work the guards do for us. Uh, We can't thank them enough, and I certainly would be proud if any of my children decided to join
6: the guards at They go beyond a call of duty to look after the community. Well, I suppose having the guards there, you feel that you feel safe, that they are about, that they are keeping eye on things, and that they're always there, like should you need them. Hopefully, we might not have to, but uh, there could always be some occasion when you might have to call them, and they're always there too. um, to assist you and help you out in law and order alright it seems to be breaking down in a, not just in here but in a worldwide thing you know and uh, I suppose a lot of it goes back to maybe parental control and and uh, educating youngsters on, on their roles in society and respect for community family all those kind of things you know so it's an education thing I suppose you know And um, so hopefully people might have a better outlook and especially following on during this uh, pandemic um, you know, people might have more respect for, for people in the, the forces and in the services that have helped us get through this you know
10: they do a terrific job under arduous circumstances most times and for somebody to lose their life while well, serving the community like that is just a tragedy of enormous proportions you know in one way or another we all like to serve our community and there's no better way of serving it than joining the guards i think we're inside in our bed at night we don't know what's happening these guys keep us safe
1: up and down the road uh, we don't know the dangers they're in every day i'm just grateful that we have such a force in y'all um with coronavirus with everything uh, it's just a shock to all of us if it was my son, I would think, like to think that we had such a turnout for this man. And it's just proud to be part of it.
9: I think it's a really, really very sad day. A man had to go out to work looking after us and to get killed. It's a very, very sad day. They look after us very well. And, um, yeah, if you phone them, they're, they'll come. And, yeah, they're very good to us. So, uh, yeah, it's very sad. <laughs>
1: In that vox, they heard from retired Garda Eugene O'Connor, who joins me by phone. Eugene, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, your listeners. You were quite upset there. I can only, un- I can imagine. You know, I can understand why. And I suppose many, many people who either work in the Garda or retired from the Garda or family members of people serving in the Garda uh, would be reminded again, um, you know, of how dangerous an actual job it is. Right? Ah, yes,
6: yes, so, y- yes. It was a very poignant day for us. Really, um, as you say, we are a family. And uh, the loss of a member is it's really hard, and 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 just speaking was extremely difficult, because as you know, eighty nine members have have lost their life now, right. um, serving the state. And while a lot of those have lost it, uh, you know, through you know road accidents and maybe helping people and all that, but a uh, a uh, uh, murder in direct conflict is the hardest to take, Neil.
1: Yes, yes. And in the course of your career, I think you served. Was it in Bishopstown you served?
6: Yes, I was in Bishopstown uh, for 30 years I was in Bishopstown in the 70s. I came to Bishopstown in 1973 and I'm very fortunate, I suppose, to, to serve in a beautiful area like Bishopstown. Yeah, yeah. But I went to the border twice, which which, which gave me an insight into how policing it can be more difficult, I can assure you.
1: Yeah, 30 years ago, it probably was a very different scenario and landscape to now, where we have an awful lot more issues now with law and order, knife crime, um, lack of, many people talk about lack of parental control, you know?
6: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, in my time, we had great interaction with the local people. Um, Basically, most of the guards were living in the area. uh, They were playing sport with the local clubs. So, I mean, we knew the the people very well and uh, they knew us and uh, it worked both ways. We helped each other.
1: And throughout your career and throughout the years that members spend in the force, they deal with all sorts of tragedy, don't they? From assaults that we hear of all too often, right up to murder, which we hear way too often these days, uh, cases of rape, suicide, traffic fatalities, fires, deaths of children. gardi go to all of these and investigate all of these, don't they?
6: Yes, uh, Neil, you're right. Uh, You'll you, you never know. Um, once you go to work in the morning, uh, you never know what's hit you for the day. You, you could be faced with anything. You know, there, you, you've outlined there the numerous situations you could be in. But uh, when you join the force in Temple you say, this is, this is my vocation. And I'd be ready for it.
1: Yes, I know. You you mentioned uh, I, in you mentioned in part of that uh, audio that you were involved in uh, a collision that took the life of a Garda. Can I ask you a little bit about that? Was it up around a horse and jockey, I believe? Y- y-
6: yes, I, I I remember it well to say it was yesterday, um the very fighting day because it was Valentine's Day nineteen ninety. Uh Myself and my colleague Tom Hayes uh, who we might know he was the chief superintendent in West Cork yes. we were both escorting um, a prisoner down from Dublin and um, a guy from Dublin Joe Williamson was was driving the patrol car and sadly he, we crashed into a lorry into a fairly serious accident uh, Joe, Joe lost his life he was only 52 years of age and um, well thankfully Tom and myself recovered after a period of time but uh, we often thought after of the of the driver who lost his life and um, in the Gather Memorial uh, in Dublin Castle, I, I met Joe's wife about 12 months later, and she was absolutely devastated. Her whole life was actually finished by losing her husband. I know, I know,
1: I know, I know. Must be a, an awful lot of worry with families of Gardy, more so than ever now, because we know that Column Horkin, of course, was on his own. Um, he, he was much loved in the community knew the individual, I won't say too much about it, but, but knew the individual, possibly thought that the individual was harmless. Um, but, you know, it just, again, a bit like Cameron Blair, in the blink of an eye, everything can change. So, loved ones of members of the Gardaí probably worry now more than ever that it could happen to them, or to theirs.
6: Well, as I say, as I say, Neil, you go in the morning, and um, you mightn't even have a chance to say goodbye to them in the morning. And, um, you know, you, you, if you go to work at five or six o'clock in the morning, you might even see them and they're not happy. I'd say, you come home that evening. I know, I know. You know? I know. That was a that, was a that was a very sad case, the Colm Harkin case, because obviously I'm putting myself slightly in, in Colm's shoes. I can imagine that he was trying to, you know, down-piece the situation with, with a calming effect, as I, as I imagine the man was, and um, it just sadly went wrong for him.
1: Because you don't know when you approach somebody how they're going to respond. So
6: you don't. You don't, you see. You, you don't like you. You, you don't. Uh, people can react in a in, in a flash, and it's you know, it's it's, it's too late, and you know, it's, it's an absolute tragedy of the of the highest order, like you know.
1: You have to try and learn to read people, I suppose, or read the circumstances.
6: Oh, you do, you do, you, you, you do, you do, and you, you do get that with experience, but as I say, there's always the one one case around the corner that'll, that'll, that'll catch you, you know?
1: Do you think that the guardy get enough backup? Clearly there aren't enough of them, we know that, and there have been cutbacks and closures of barracks. I mean, you're retired now, you might have an opinion on those kind of things, or whether they're actually given enough weaponry to, to defend themselves and to do their job properly.
6: Well, I'd say, Neil, the, the weaponry is out of the question. I'd say we're, we're an unarmed force, I'd say, and I'd say that's the way I think we will remain, you know, in, into the future, and I hope that will be the case. I wouldn't like a, I wouldn't be an advocate now of an armed force, really.
1: You wouldn't think would like that a system to... like the French or the Spanish or the Italian police forces where, where people seem to respect their police more?
6: Yeah, well, maybe they do, but uh, the the number of fatalities is, is, is too high. It's still a uh, lot, still high, you know. In yeah. America, yeah,
0: yeah, more guns. Uh, going, back your,
6: going back to your other point, more there, guns
1: uh, mean more deaths. Yeah, yeah.
6: Go on. I would imagine so. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Well, you said another point there about resources. Well, resources and, is, is a fact of life for every every group, really, I at the moment. Everybody is looking for more, and would be nice to see more guns in the streets, but. Uh, they just enough of them there, I suppose, you
1: know. And they say that in rural areas, they say that uh, guardi do go around on their own because so, areas are so quiet and there's never any real issues of any serious crime. Um, and He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time on his own. But that's not, that's not necessarily commonplace in cities, sure it's not, where you would have guardi going around together.
6: Yeah, yeah, you, well, a bigger population. Yeah, you would, you, you would, you, you would have more or less two hundred, yeah. two hundred squad car, all right. Yeah. And when, uh, you, when you, when you, are you
1: retired now? Did you retire recently?
6: No, I'm retired eighteen years. Uh, yeah. Wow,
1: that's a long time.
6: Well, it is, it is, it is. But as I say, <laughs> I enjoyed my time in Bishopstown. Um, I saw a lot of changes there. It was only a green field when I came first.
1: And do you think? Do you, do you like to think that you made a difference?
6: Well, I think, well, I, 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 I say, I got on extremely well with, with with people at Bishopstown. Absolutely loved my time there. I had no desire to serve anywhere else. Um, I was a w- one man, one station, which was which was very unusual, even to this day. Go away. So, if I was if I was happy in Bishopstown, I suppose uh, the authorities would have to leave me there. One man, one station to cover. Well, well, one man, w- w- one man didn't serve anywhere else, like. So you
1: know, yeah, you got to know everybody, and probably cut them some slack, gave them a break, had a bit of cop on in you.
6: I, I did if yes, uh, yeah, yeah, Without saying too much about no, it. No, that's so what that, I mean. That, I mean, like yeah. what,
1: you, what, in, in a local community, I met, I met a retired sergeant a couple of years back, ran a big, big county patch, and he said, back in the day, you could you could chat with people, you could give them a break, get them to cop on, give them a warning. But he says all changed now in that regard. But he said there was much more kind of community interaction. And and that's what he wanted to see more of, you know.
6: But you're you're absolutely right there, Neil. Sure, I I played for Bishopstown. I played Halloween football for Bishopstown for for about 12 years. I played in a bit of rugby or high field. So if I wasn't working, I was, um, you know socialising in Bishopstown and playing and all that. So they, they saw plenty of me. Yeah. And do you have
1: any thoughts then on the amount of crime that we have now, particularly regarding knife crime and this gang culture that seems to be developing? It's a lot tougher now for Gardy. They can't be everywhere.
6: I'm worried about it, Neil. I'm yeah. worried about it. A very good point. Uh, it's it's not getting easier. And it's, it, it, it's a big, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Um, you know, people are making young people are making rash decisions. Maybe they regret them after, but then it's too late. Uh, you know, knife crime is, is a problem.
1: It can happen in, a, in the blink of an eye. But somebody in that vox was actually saying that a lot of it is is down to lack of parental control. You know, that just parents aren't just getting involved in their well, kids' uh, lives.
6: Well, you could go down. Yeah, you could. You could look at that two ways. You you, you do your best. Most parents do their best for their children. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, they they have no control once they go out at night. What what happens then? You see.
1: Okay, thirty years service. Did you enjoy? Are you Are you enjoying retirement the last eighteen years? What did you do? Uh,
6: well, um, well, I, I made a conscious decision that, that that I would leave the garden, take up another take up another point because you know I I felt. You know, as much as I enjoyed it I felt 30 years was long enough in one job That's it yeah. So so I, I retired early, fairly early and um, I took up another appointment I was a car park manager inside in, in Patrick's Key Car Park Get away For, for, for 16 years So that, that was you could say it was another career in itself. <laughs> Yeah Involving
1: you the know. public in another manner, fair play.
6: Sorry. Exactly, you know you're saying yes, 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 and in a quieter, probably more <laughs> calmer situation as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> until, until people's card wouldn't work or the well, fucking barrier well, wouldn't well, go well, up well. or somebody knocked into their car and scratched <laughs> their paper. I know, yeah, yeah. You were a peacemaker again then, huh? <laughs> I probably was. I probably was. I was. All right.
6: You... I, I, w- I would recommend. I would still recommend the garde as a career to, to any young person that would ask me about it. You know. Gotcha. 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 You know, it's it's a vocation. I know, but um, as I say, as I think I said yesterday, uh, the, the good times far outweigh the bad. Times, well
1: said. Well know? said. Good way to finish you know? my chat with you. The yeah, good yeah. times far outweigh the bad. Look after yourself, Eugene. Thanks so much for taking the call. But thank you, Neil. Thank you. Bye-bye. Lovely guy, retired Garda Eugene O'Connor, out of uh, what was at the time a much smaller Bishopstown station and Bishopstown community. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after these.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM.
1: Text six eight-104-106, and that's exactly what people are doing. I'm glad on your program at the back end of last week you spoke about stabbing, uh, particularly that Mallow incident. That sentence and all sentencing these days seems to be a disgrace. Culprits have gotten the sentence for carrying a knife al- or should get a sentence for carrying a knife alone. But to slash a young lad's face is just so disturbing. That young lad will remember that incident for the rest of his life every time he looks in the mirror. Um, culprits carrying knives, never mind using them, should get a minimum of five years jail. It's a scandal. Morning, I'm sick of scumbags getting easy sentences with their sob stories that their daddy left them and their mother was an addict. Just charge him with murder, charge him with assault, send him to jail, end of story. I'm fuming listening about that poor teen who was slashed, and then the scumbag walks free more or less. Why? because we'll be branded racist yet again. It is disgusting. Well, you know, crime and sentencing should not know any color whatsoever. Uh, I honestly think the judge should have only one role, and that is finding a person guilty or not guilty. There should be a panel of people to decide sentencing because sentencing now is just a joke, says Ron. It's not enough for these lunatics to be in our society. Uh, I don't feel safe in Ireland. We need harder sentencing and more powers by police in the country. The law in this country needs to change. It benefits the scumbags. Then there's some interesting thoughts here on Garda profiling which I'll come back to. There would it seem there would seem to be, when you look at you know court reports, uh, an awful lot of people before the courts with mental health issues or with psychiatric issues uh, I don't know how relevant that would be to Garda Colm Horkin and what you can say about that, apart from the fact that this man was known to Gardi and apparently had mental health issues. And you wonder uh, if it's known in the community. I suppose you never, you never think though that something like this is actually going to happen, that it's going to manifest itself in, uh, you know, psychiatric issues that are going to lead to killing somebody. But you never ever know in the world we live in now, uh, particularly with our hospital uh, structure and, you know, the lack of help for people anything potentially could happen uh, so keep those texts coming and it's interesting um because you know people always find something to complain about or kind of a bee in their bonnet about and in spite you know in spite of um, the lovely weather that we're having recently not everybody's happy with it including a grumpy parent excuse me now if i come across as a grumpy parent but i'm at boiling point over ice cream vans or mr whippies as we used to call them do they call that anymore Mr. Whippy is something we used to say. Uh, my problem is that one particular Miss Whippy van calls at least three times a week to our housing estate between five and six. This is the time we like to have a bite to eat. But as soon as the kids hear the sound of music blaring through the housing estate, they're asking for money and off to buy their ice cream cone and their meals, their dinners are left uneaten. Why do I give them the money, I hear you ask? Well, it's a lot easier than listening to the crying if I refuse. I have no problems with them having treats, but I'd prefer them to have their tea or their dinner first. I'd like to know if I'm alone in my thoughts and is there any way these vendors could call after seven in the evening? Hope you get a chance to read this out. Sean O'Sullivan in Ovens. I mean, the timing isn't great, is it? Like six o'clock in the evening when you when you've cooked a dinner. But I think it's lovely to have those kind of conflicts going on in your life because it shows that, you know, more people are back in business and going back to work. And it's like things used to be with Mr. Whippy vans around the bane of parents' life when they come into housing estates, I suppose, at the wrong time. Uh, and also, too often, I think what can happen as well, is you can have different Mr. Whippy companies um, coming in. It causes problems within the business, I'm told, as well. Coming into housing estates, one after the next after the next. Uh, I suppose there's any wonder where they say that our kids are getting bigger. Um, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 106 Text 86 And then, with regards to... <laughs> Criticism of teachers, primary teachers in particular, I agree with your callers, have done very little and SNA teachers even less during lockdown. No SNA in the country has gone back to work since March uh, for uh, not for one. And I don't think we're all in this together when you hear stories like that. Teachers always feel as if they're hard done by. If they think that, they should change their career. And one quick one, then, that doesn't agree. Can't come on air, but I'm disgusted with the comments on your program on Friday regarding teachers. First of all, parents are not doing teachers' jobs. They're doing their own jobs as parents. Our job as parents is to raise our children to adults. Children, teachers are not child-minders. Uh, secondly, our son's teacher has been amazing. She's in touch every single school day. We're able to speak to her anytime regarding our son. Uh, I've been many years out of school and have forgotten quite a bit. But the teachers in Kanturk Boys School have been fantastic with helping us parents as well. The teachers in Kanturk have certainly not been out doing their gardens. Uh, and not bothering the kids, not bothering with the kids, I should say, as many of your callers are suggesting.
0: The Neil Prendeville Show.
2: With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers.
1: Mind you, not everybody is um, in sympathy with the pub trade in Ireland. As a frontline worker in Cork, I have zero sympathy with the pubs and nightclubs in Ireland. For decades, they've been unfair, uh, At uh, particularly they've had unfair representation at political level. Uh, The Vintners. Historically, they fought tooth and nail to stop minimum pricing alcohol restrictions. They fought against drink drive legislation in order to protect themselves. Now we all see their actions in March, pre-lockdown for example, with those Temple Bar videos. Uh, The facts are Ireland has very high alcohol consumption rates worldwide and I'm sickened at the adverts on Facebook of pubs offering tato crisps for 9 euro. It's all a big joke to them, while colleagues in the CUH are still out on sick leave. This person works in health. The virus could easily return uh, once pubs and clubs reopen. I can't fathom the idea of this happening while our health service is on its knees, with cancer screening, outpatients, surgical services, paediatric spine care, way behind schedule. Reopening pubs will lead to a second, more devastating wave, and again put not just to our livelihoods, but our lives at risk. I regard the pubs and clubs reopening as a kick in the teeth to us healthcare professionals when we're at our most vulnerable. Alcohol plus bunches of people together leads to irresponsible behaviour, leading to lack of social distancing and the virus spreading. I would ask people who want to help the HSE workers not to frequent these places once they reopen and spend your money in cafes, restaurants, sports clubs and holidaying in Ireland, says Owen, a healthcare worker. What's interesting about that is the pubs themselves don't open next Monday. It's pubs that serve food. It's not a free-for-all with everybody piling in and what do you have in yourself? Uh, not for a few weeks yet. Uh, and then there's a person who's single, uh, wondering, you know, like, even, be, even being single, not in a relationship, I think you can still have a lot of friends though, can't you? Even though you're single? Maybe I'm misreading it. I'm in my 50s and female single Most of... Oh, I see what you're saying. My friends are mostly married. So, is it that I'm not allowed into a pub unless they find four or five friends or go with my family members? I've been in lockdown 13 weeks and now I'm not able to enter the pub? I haven't got the cash to pay the €9 extra for the meal. Even if I did, I'd have no choice because I'd have to get a cab into town and that would start costing me at least €20. How is that a single... How is it that a single individual cannot enter a bar? Well, nobody can enter a bar for a drink. Uh, I understand that, you know, even when people can go back back to pubs, there'll be limited amounts of people left in. And you as a single person with all of your friends married will be left out in the cold. Others are suggesting this one here, which I'll come back to later, is the pub should be kept closed for good. But I will come back to all of that. Let's get back to the phone lines, though. Busy morning. Lots to do. John, good morning. Neil, how yeah. So the Mr. Whippy van man, um, uh, going around uh, five or six times a day, Oh, he's a pest! Um, particularly at dinner time when you're trying to get your kids to eat.
11: That's I, right. Yeah, you yeah. had experience of all that. that. Oh, I felt sorry for the guy that that, that texted in there a while ago about the ice cream van coming around at dinner time. So I have an easy solution for him, right? Well, he should do what I did, and when I, I was getting sick of it myself. And um, what I actually did is, I said, as soon as you hear the ice cream music, that's actually the ice cream uh, woobie man telling you that the ice cream is gone, right? <laughs> So, and then the reason he plays the music is to tell you that it's gone. But also, it's another kind of way of telling you, don't bother, don't bother wasting time running over to us because there's no ice cream left. (laughs) (laughs) No. The only way we get away with it, right, is because you can hear the ice cream van passing by our place, but it doesn't stop kind of anywhere you can see it from the front window. So, like, he passes on, and you have to kind of walk a few minutes around the corner to actually see other kids getting the ice cream. So, they believe us um, up to now, anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and do you, ever, do you ever buy them an ice cream You skin flint It depends on what day of the week it is <laughs> <laughs> If it's a Thursday and things are tight uh, They won't get one till, till the weekend How much is but how much like, is a cone for a
1: kid now From a whippy van
11: Yeah but you see These aren't normal kids at all like, A normal cone isn't good enough anymore It's twin cones now Or it's the kind of buenos It's always the big ones It's never the, the small um, It's plain cone Can you
1: just not get a plain cone Not even maybe If you have a few extra bob Stick a flake in it Call it a 99
11: no, she just did hop it off your head.
1: What they want? Double cones with sprinkles or Kinder Bueno or chocolate oh, sprinkles?
11: No, I got caught one day because we were coming back from a spin, right? And it was it was a Wednesday or Thursday and um, I was coming back and I had to go there was a detour, so I had to go a different way home, right? But the ice cream van was stopped, but the music was stopped as well because he had all the customers gathered and I got caught then for two ice creams, but you look How much? You know, How much? Uh four, four euros. <laughs> <laughs> each no 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 4 <laughs> euros for one I know yeah yeah, yeah 2 two tall euro tall, 2 know.
1: euro 2 euro for a big you know the big you can get the small for the little babies medium yeah. for people who just want a regular one and then the large one which would be a big whippy with yeah. uh, with um with uh, flake in it 2 euro I usually pay for that I think it's fierce value in it yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like there's nothing. They don't take anything. Just kind of the original. or small, But all. if you have three or anymore. four kids, you wouldn't see much change
11: out of a tenor, is it? No, she's not at all. No, 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 no. And more often than not, the friends are with them as well, so right. they fool as well. So uh, pair. <laughs> So if you, if
1: you tell them that the whippy man is playing the music to say that all the ice cream is gone, do your kids not say, not say to you? But dad, how do we know when he arrives then?
11: good question and you're getting me ready you now for the next time they, they challenge me on that because look they believe everything I say so far aren't but just
1: are you not psychologically scarring them like and they'll come back to you in later life and not give you
11: not listen I sound like a right hump there now but to be honest their smile's rotten but it's just uh, it's just the ice cream fella's annoying me because again he comes around the same time as dinner time and you're just trying to get him to Fair play. Fair eat play. as well as possible and, and treat them whenever you you want to, not when they want you know
1: Rory so, says the whippy van calls to our estate four times a Day, it's an absolute nuisance, they should all be banned. <laughs> I know,
11: but look, we, it, it's grand every now and then, it's small doses. But look, um, not every day, three or four and the coronavirus, no, it's helping me as well because there's less stock available. No, in my eyes, I'm getting away out a bigger bluff there as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, fair <laughs> well play to you. appreciate it. No you've, matter. you've an infectious laugh. Thanks, John. Actually, just to wreck the heads of all parents, lads, turn your radios up good and loud now. Go on, volume up, volume up, volume up. Thank you. if you didn't have enough to contend with on a Monday morning. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now.
0: 1850-104-106.
1: Red FM. Ah, It's great to have something different to be complaining about, isn't it? The Mr. Whippy Van. Anyway, Stephen says, I had the same problem with the Whippy Vans. All I did was took out the double glazing and put in the treble glazing. Now the kids can't hear the Whippy Van anymore. I mean, like, was that cost-effective? Uh, like the cost of the triple glazing or was it more of a health issue with your children eating too many Mr Whippies or ice cream cones but out came the double in went the treble they can't hear nothing, no more Lines open at one you can text 86 You know you go onto social media platforms and you really sometimes take your life in your own hands if you post up stuff about your own private life Have a listen to this Julie, good morning
2: Hi Neil, how are you? So
1: this woman says, why did I say woman? Do we know it was a man or a woman?
8: Well, it had a woman's picture as a profile, but again, we don't
1: know. Okay, so she said to you, you don't deserve two healthy, beautiful children. They would be better off if you killed them than being alive if you neglect them. Um, The kids would be better off if you food poisoned them or something. At least then they would be in hospital and they'd get better care for a few days of their lives. I feel sorry for them between their mother getting pregnant in an insecure relationship, having no father figure in their lives and their mother comfortable with leaving them alone, they will have serious abandonment issues when they grow up. What's all that about? So
8: I have an Instagram platform, and i have a, a just have over fifty thousand following and neil I'm a single parent, so I like to share my life just as being a single mom to twins, a set of twins, and we share I share the ups and downs and For the past year, Neil, every single evening when I put my kids to bed at seven o'clock, I would lie on the floor in between their two cots. Some nights it might take an hour, other nights it might take two hours till they fall asleep. And I would lie there till they fall asleep. So over the weekend, I got them two brand new beds their big boy and big girl beds. How old
1: are they? Do you mind me asking?
8: They're turning three now in October. Okay. Okay. So I said, with their new beds now, I said, it's going to be a new routine. I'm going to put them up to bed and I'm going to walk away. You know, this is it. now. I'm not going to lie on the floors anymore. As a single parent, Neil, I'm up there, as I said, two hours. I might get downstairs for nine o'clock. And then I have to start my housework and get things ready for the next when
4: day. When you're
1: lying with them for the couple of hours, is it songs and stories and holding no, hands?
8: No, no, I'm literally playing, just lying, just not, nothing, just lying there, pretending I'm asleep myself. And I'd come downstairs and then I would have to start my housework and get things ready for the next day. I'm not sitting down till 11 o'clock, you know. So then over the weekend when I bought them the new beds, I said, right, I said, new routine now. They have to go into their beds on their own and I'm going to come downstairs. So I was trying to do a bit of sleep training, I think it's called. So on Friday night, I started and I came on my Instagram. I showed all my followers their new beds. And I said, tonight, now is the night. I'm going to put them into their own beds and I'll walk away and I'll come downstairs and we'll see how it goes. So I was sharing my journey anyway, and I was said, "No, Neil, they weren't crying; they were whinging." You know, a child has a hundred and one different cries, and they were just like black nice And I said, oh, something." The room be like, "Come up and lay down with me, mommy." And I was like, <laughs> I'm just, "I was the child." I was just saying, "I'm downstairs now, having my dinner, and let your big boy and big girl down your big boy and girl beds." As I said, I was sharing the journey on Instagram, and then I got that message. No. I got hundreds of messages and Julie, be strong. You have this. They're just late, <laughs> you know. You know they were you. mean us. you're
1: getting messages from people saying, "Be strong," because the kids are having a little bit of a cry before they fall asleep.
8: That and um, there was no tears. There was no like. What I but, know, but What like, were they
1: saying? Be strong about like it's like, not. It's not as if you were two or kidding. three. It's not as if you were two or three hundred feet from climbing to the summit of Mount Everest. Like
8: yeah, no, as in like they're like, "Don't go up now, Julie," because if you go up tonight, they'll know tomorrow night. Play the same. Song oh, be, and be strong. Do like, like, so, you know? Because I would be very be strong, strong.
1: You have this, like
8: yeah, like, you have this, like stay downstairs now, ignore the little. Like, I, no, I just,
1: I just think personally, it's such an insignificant event for people to be telling you, "Be strong, you have this." But maybe that's the crazy world we live in. So your one anyway says you're cruel, is it?
8: Oh yeah. So she, she made up um, her own little Instagram page. They're all following now. It was. It was fake, someone completely fake behind the page and was saying, I mean like Julie, like it's so cruel that you walked away and those kids p- crying like, th- as I said, they weren't crying Neil, they're they the best actors and actresses in the world and um, you're better off if you poison them and that way they might end up in hospital and they'd have better care in there and it, it was horrible it was
1: You want to be, be, be deranged to be putting that down on paper that you'd be better off killing your children or poisoning them
8: but Isn't that just buy? Like, it's absolutely disgusting. disgusting.
1: Like what, kind of, what kind of angry, vicious people are out there?
8: It's, it's shocking. And it's, you know, what, what happened to all this be kind business and just support one another. Like, we're all parents. And we, we all question ourselves every single day. And I felt bad enough, too. Like, because I'm so used to lying down with them for them to fall asleep. And, like, the guilt was eating me alive. And then to receive a message like Did that. Did that
1: upset you, that message?
8: It did, you know what, now Neil, I am in a good, like as I said last night on my Instagram, because I got so many, like I actually screenshotted the message and put it up on my Instagram, be like, Look, this is the stuff I have to read, and not just me, everybody that puts their life on Instagram and what have you, I was like, like, what gives this person the right, like, just because I'm behind the phone doesn't mean I don't have feelings. Now it did, it knocked me for six, of course, but I'm in a great place, I have a great family, of have great friends that were ringing me and be like, Julie, ignore that message, now you're a great mom, and... But like, I'm worried for the parent at home that's struggling, that could have, a, that's in a really, really bad place. And then to read that message, that could chip somebody over the edge. Well,
1: nobody wants to be called an unfit no. parent. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. The struggle no, is hard I... enough because you're wearing them on your own. I know you have family and friends, but yeah, you're, you're the only one in the house of an evening when you're trying to get them to bed. And listen, yes. you, have, you have to call it at some stage where the kids need to just go to sleep on their own. You know, it can't go on forever.
8: And exactly. look, if they were really upset, of course I'd go after them. But as I said, they're the best little actors and actresses in the world. They were d- playing off.
1: And did this one, did you respond to her?
8: No, no, no. She deleted her Instagram page, that fake Instagram page straight, nearly straight away. So no, I didn't. But there's other pages out there that are just called these, like, these anonymous pages. Yeah. And you can write into the, these pages and say what you want about anybody that puts their life on Instagram and like just complete fuzz Statements all the time going in, and it's it, it's really really dangerous.
1: There is no level of laziness beneath your laziness. Uh, even washing a few items is too much work for you.
8: Yeah, like oh, as God. I said, like like I'm doing this at ten, half ten, I'm mopping my floors some evenings at half ten because I'm all, and I could have my dinner at nine o'clock because the time I get the kids started and off to bed, and then I to lay there for an hour after two hours. What is the and what like, is
1: the rule with kids crying when they're going to sleep? You're, you're supposed to leave them aren't you and they'll, they'll stop crying
8: well you're meant like, like the other night now or the last couple of nights know that I'm kind of training them for their big boy and girl but they're not crying they're, there's no tears they're just like play, like you know pretending and like last night now last night was my third night and it was brilliant they went just this track. they understand that mommy is only downstairs I'm only having a cup of tea downstairs you know and they're getting way better so it, it is persistency I suppose you know
1: yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to put yourself out there with a big following like that, you're going to get all sorts of people with all sorts of opinions, including the very upsetting ones like this. Mm. You're better off poisoning yeah. and killing your children. You know, I, I mean, yeah. do, do you report somebody like that, or do you just kind of say, "Huh, that's the way it is." There's all
4: sorts of Well, kinds
8: of people I, I couldn't even report the page then to Instagram because, as I said, she deleted the page straight away. So, um, so I don't know who. Was it someone I know? Was it just some?
1: You never know. It could well be you someone, know you know, but it could be somebody that's very jealous of you, your popularity. Who knows?
8: Who knows? Like, I just, we have no idea. But again, as I said, I'm just worried for a poor mother who was at, like, I was glad this weekend that I got the message. I, as I said, I'm in a good place. I was able to take down on the chin. But I'm nervous for a poor woman at home, maybe with no family or friends, just on her own with her kids and struggling. And then to get a message like that, you're better off to kill them. You're an unfit parent. That's absolutely oh, right I understand yeah, horrible. I
1: Do you, um, how have you coped and how have other parents who are rearing a child upon their own coped over the last few months
8: oh it's been so so tough um, it's it's really really hard again as I said I'm very lucky that I have a great family and stuff but um, it, it has been really, the, really hard
1: what's time. hardest just occupying their time is it
8: even just like um, yeah exactly like and my two are only two and a half so like it's hard like we could do a bit of painting but painting in my house might only last ten minutes
4: I know yeah.
8: those little activities would only last ten minutes in my house and it's con- your mind is constantly like what do I do next and I toilet trained them all right over the lockdown so that's the best thing and are you mobile like,
1: like have you that must have been fun the toilet training with the potty oh
8: God. <laughs> I said you know what I can't go nowhere so I might I have don't want to that give that
1: up my potty that's 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 is, is, it. is it I don't want to use the toilet
8: so, yeah, yeah. So we started with the potty and they're on the potty for a couple of days and now they're they're very independent. They're on the big toilet now so they're thrilled.
1: Have you a car?
8: I do, I do. I so have a at car. least
1: in the last few weeks you've been able to get out now and go more
4: places. Oh.
8: Yeah, yeah, we've been going to the beach now and the parks are back open so I brought them to the park. Um, yesterday we went down to Ballycott and it was gorgeous. I think it's a new park down there. It's stunning. So we were down there yesterday so it's great to be able to get back out now as well.
1: Fair play to you. All right, well that's the joys of social media. You meet all sorts of strange individuals there.
8: I know, it's shocking, absolutely. But you're
1: tough enough. You just just water off a duck's back but not everybody would be if they saw something like that posted up about you, them.
8: That's That's what I'm worried about. Do you know, like, I like as I said, a lot of my friends and family rang me straight away, and reassured. Like, "Julie, you're great, mom. Like, take no notice." and It was great to have that support, but I'm just really am worried for other people that would receive messages like that. It's it's absolutely disgusting. Okay,
1: let's see if other people have had issues trying to get their kids off to sleep when they moved them into their own <laughs> beds. That kind of there's separation anxiety going on there, I think, but they get over it, don't they?
8: Oh I mean, they're like as I said last night, they walked up the stairs themselves and hopped into their big beds, and off the, they were brilliant. Now last night, but it was done. just. Job done. Yeah, they understand,
1: of course, yeah. Mind yourself, take care, Julie. And you,
8: Neil, my love, As take As always, of cheers, take care of yourself.
1: Sometimes it can be the Wild West on there, it certainly can. I, mean, I always think that Instagram is a very kind of happy kind of place, certainly that's where I find it, so far so good. Um, I'm seeing an awful lot more correspondence coming into my own Instagram page, people getting in touch over the last few months. I've been encouraging it anyway for people to send me stories of their lives, but in, and recently I've been inviting people to tell me a little bit more about their businesses opening up so I can give them shout-outs, and I'll be doing that in the coming weeks as we uh, find the country, taking baby steps back to, uh, I nearly said the N-word, but I won't quite say it. My, mind you, your calls are welcome on this on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six, uh, and I'll come back to it uh, throughout the course of the morning. Uh, but as I say, m- things from Monday will improve. Mind you, I can't understand uh, why, you know, you heard Matty McGrath there saying it's only blackguarding that, you know, churches will still have these daft restrictions come next Monday when churches are huge uh, much more f- availability of physical distancing than say in a in a restaurant or certainly than in a, in a hair salon and things like that but from Monday next, travel anywhere in Ireland, larger indoor and outdoor gatherings, you can visit pubs, cafes and restaurants as long as they do the substantial meal thing, you can get a haircut you can probably get your nails done, you can go back to an aesthetic clinic and go to a beauty salon and you can get tanning and tattooing and... Oh, oh sorry. my yeah, tra- You can, actually, tattooing as well. I wondered actually whether that got included, but it did, uh, 29th of June as well. And then the gym, back to the gym. Go back to swimming pools with certain restrictions and things like that. And many team leagues are restarting again from next Monday. But um, not everybody's happy with that. And one person's suggesting that pubs should be kept closed for good. On the pub's reopening, and again, pubs aren't reopening Not just yet. It will be pubs that can do food and there will be all sorts of restrictions, as you know. Personally, I don't think it would be any harm if some or even half the pubs in this country did hit the wall, go bust, and were liquidated due to the crisis. Listening to the publicans on your show over the past few weeks, some of their comments are a disgrace given out about the guidance from the government and the lack of time they're getting to prepare their premises for opening. They need to be reminded that pubs are not and will never be an essential service. Apart from the crisis of COVID and the risk of spreading infection in pubs when they do reopen, there's also the general risk to health from people going to the pubs. The strain on resources that pubs and clubs place on the health system in normal times is frightening. a and D departments the length of the country are more efficient and safer on weekends now, more than ever before, because there are far, few, far fewer incidents relating to public order and other issues from pubs and nightclubs over the last three months. Some of the publican contributors to your show would want to be told that they're helping society and the health system on all fronts far better by staying closed. I'm sure they'd love to hear that. Um, Anyway, the amount of taxpayers' money that's being spent on doctors, nurses and Gardaí who have to deal with the fallout from pubs and clubs every week, year in, year out, far outweighs the tax take that pubs and clubs bring into the Exchequer. Point being, publicans are a net liability to society Contrary to their own belief, there are far too many pubs in Ireland anyway, too too many nightclubs, and it is long contributing to Ireland's unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I believe we now have the chance to turn some of these premises into other types of businesses that would be far better for society as a whole. I appreciate that pubs employ people. However, many of these employed are either part-time or students who will be employed in other areas in years to come. The fallout from full time employees losing their work from pubs and nightclubs would not be greatly significant, and many of these people could be provided with support to reskill and work in other areas. Connor says the time is long overdue for this country to break the culture once and for all, and it would be no harm if many of them never reopened. And that by email to neil at redfm.ie. What do you think of that? Pick it up after the break on one 104 106 uh, we got calls as well Ice cream and Mr. Whippy vans They haven't gone away you know
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show Tweet the show at NeilRedFM 104 to
1: 106 Red FM. I think it's great actually have these kind of first world problems I have to say Keith doesn't agree Keith Hey no things? Very good um, The ice cream Mr. Whippy vans are doing too many trips in Cork housing estates and is driving the parents crazy Your thoughts
12: Well and I said, you know, when my kids were young, right, and about four or five, and they were looking out at it, and they asked me, Dad, can I get a corn?" I said, there's no problem. I went out, I got two corns for them, a pinch of salt and both of them, I don't know if it's actually a salt, and they never asked for the corn after that, no. What? I, yeah. They licked it, and next "Ah, oh, that is rotten, I said, I told you that. <laughs> Are you serious? Seriously, I didn't mean to the rest of the kids. In the name of Did God. you
1: really do that, though?
12: I did do it. You brought in
1: the cones. They saw them. Did they see you putting no. the salt on them? No.
12: No, I This the, the as of salt. Not a small sachet of salt. Yeah. I had them in my pocket and as I was coming in with them, I put it up on top of them and then never asked for a cone after that. And did they I cop don't. it when they grew up? No. No, they didn't cough until, what, he was about 10 or 12 years old, he said he tried one himself, he, he got an old green one, and he said that is only the white one's taste like salt. <laughs> <laughs> and I... I couldn't eat a cold in the nose, because my nose was too long, and every time my nose was hit the corn instead of my mouth. But you could and attack never... it from the side, or turn your head sideways. Whatever way it did they I did eat it, my it
1: kept on hitting the dust. Ah, but come here now, in fairness. Like, why wouldn't you buy your kids a cone? No, I don't like them. What, what don't you like about them? The kids love ice creams. That was a great part of our growing up was the whippy and, van coming into the park.
12: Said, no, they didn't miss much though. No. No, no, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. And then when the green one came out, then so to have happy enough. then. They had their own money for them. Like the multi-coloured stripy ones, is it? Yeah, you go them once there no, yeah. <laughs> and then, because they had their own money then, their own pocket money then for them.
1: But did you give him a few bob to go to the shop for a bag of sweets or anything like that? I'd
12: buy him a nice I'd know about bother buying him a nice But not those cones. I don't know, whatever it is. I didn't like them myself, so I said if I didn't like them, my kids would like them. And what about her
1: indoors, the missus? Was she okay with your carry on?
12: Oh, the missus didn't even know. She didn't even know about She don't dare call the idols. <laughs> you don't
1: know, you know. And spring. then when they came to the edge and they said, Dad, you should have bought us
4: the green one all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, you
1: nutcase. On. Take
9: care, aren't you? It is. It is. Mary, good morning.
1: Hi, Neil. How are you? Imagine the dad doing that, sprinkling salt on the cone. <laughs> oh, my God.
9: That's clever, though. No? I yeah, should
1: have thought of that. Yeah, in hindsight, because you're going to kill... <sighs> are you going to kill the kids? Are you going to kill the whippy, Van?
9: No, I'm going to kill you for playing the music.
12: <laughs> Did they hear it?
9: Yeah, it was Sheldon, the three-year-old. I was listening to the to your show on my phone. And the next minute, came on, and it's not even the tune that comes on, the one that comes around here. I it's thought, that... no, he this won't work at all. And It's usually uh, green minute,
1: sleeves,
2: isn't it? Did
9: they run to the window, is that... No, I was in the kitchen and Sheldon was in there with me. He's three. And the next minute he just looked at me with his big blue eyes, stuck his tongue out like little puppy. And he started going.
10: (laughs) (laughs) What did you say?
9: He said, ice cream. And I said, no, no, I said, that's not the ice cream. I said, that's the radio. And he ran. He just ran (laughs) to the window.
1: I'm delighted. Mission accomplished. (laughs)
9: I couldn't believe it I could not believe it Like that it actually Worked on him oh but like He and God. He and the Four year olds I've him told I've him convinced That the ice cream In the ice cream vans Are disgusting So <laughs> Now when he sees them He's like Oh That's disgusting
1: Well but, um, For all those That want to Dis Disencourage their kids From wanting an ice cream If that's the right word Get them yeah. one Put salt on it They'll never ask for another <laughs>
9: I'll have to do that for Sheldon. It's the
1: only way I say. All right, take care. Cheers, Mary. Sorry about that.
9: (laughs) Bye. I'll
1: play it again another few times. between now and no, I won't. For fear that I won't, I won't, I won't. Fear the people start turning off. Firstly, can I just say that it's great to be able to reopen next Monday? But my God, looking at the hairdressers and social media over the weekend, I almost asked them if they're going into space. They claim to be so stressed out. Honest to God. I reckon Neil Armstrong wasn't as stressed as this crowd are when he's going to the moon. Over the past three months, I've worked as an essential worker, working six days a week. I've had to take pay cuts. I've had to worry about catching the virus and going into work. and Let me tell you, there were many dark days in March and April when I didn't know if I'd lose my job or not. Thankfully, we've come out the other side of it. But when I see all these hairdressers acting as if they're the only sector to have them make a few changes to their business, I would say to them, would you ever get over yourself? We've all had to do it. It would put me rightly off going into some of these salons ever again. Such drama over the weekend. I swear a few of these salon owners need to take a day's work in the A&E. Then they'll know what real stress is. Honest to God, people are so precious nowadays. It's too stressful for you. Then just don't bother opening. Give over. Love the show otherwise. Uh, says Pamela, there was a lovely comment that you made there regarding uh, Neil Ar- Armstrong going to the going to the moon, and I just you may have heard this, you may not, uh, but it's a lovely story that was sent last week by George uh, George Patterson. He says, uh, in the event that you didn't even know this little bit of wonderful trivia, on July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, as the commander of the Apollo eleven lunar module, Lee, Neil Neil Armstrong was the first person to set foot on the moon. His first words after stepping on the moon were. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it was televised to Earth and heard by millions. But did you know that just before he re-entered the moon lander, he made a remark? The remark was, good luck, Mr. Gorsky." Many people at NASA thought it was a casual remark concerning some rival Soviet cosmonaut or something. However, upon checking, there was no Gorsky in either the Russian or the American space programs. And over the years, for many years, many people questioned Neil Armstrong as to what the good luck Mr. Gorsky" statement meant. But Neil Armstrong always just smiled and said nothing. But on July 5th, 1995, in Tampa Bay, Florida, while answering questions following a speech, a reporter brought up the 26-year-old question about Mr. Gorsky again. And this time... Neil Armstrong actually responded. His Mr Gorsky had just died, so Neil Armstrong felt that he could now answer the question. And he said, when asked the question, Who is Mr Gorsky that you refer to getting back into the Moonlander? He said in nineteen thirty eight, when he was a small kid in a small Midwestern town, he was playing baseball with a friend in the backyard, and his friend hit the ball, which landed in his neighbor's yard by their bedroom window. His neighbors were Mr. and Mrs. Gorsky, as he leaned down to, <laughs> as he leaned down to pick up the baseball. Young Armstrong heard Mrs. Gorsky shouting at Mr. Gorsky. She shouted, "Sex! You want sex? You'll get sex when the kid next door walks on the moon." When Armstrong said this, the whole place broke down. Neil Armstrong's family confirmed that this is a true story. Pass it on if you choose to do so. Um, <laughs> and that's the reason why, when he was getting back onto the moon lander, having walked on the moon, Neil Armstrong said, uh, Good luck, Mr. Gorski. <laughs> it's a long time waiting.
7: It's almost 11 o'clock with Gadgetinsurance.com. Don't let a new smashed phone or tablet smash your wallet. Protect your new gadgets. Gadgetinsurance.com
2: Finbar Galvin
7: Skoda Bandon. Officially Ireland's best Skoda dealer. Proud motoring partners of Cork's Red FM. Get involved in National Heritage Week 2020. Develop a project that explores the theme of learning from our heritage with your family, community or organisation. Research heritage on your doorstep. Share or relearn a heritage skill or find out more about Ireland's history of education. will be showcased online during National Heritage Week in August. National Heritage Week is a programme of the Heritage Council, supported by the Local Authorities Heritage Officers Network, the Department of Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltacht, OPW and Fáilta Ireland. Visit heritageweek.ie. Life has been strange lately, but now is the time to start embracing the new normal. If you're a business, an employer, someone seeking training for employment or a young person, Cork Education and Training Board can help. We have supports and options for you. Now is the perfect time to upscale. Visit corketb.ie or free phone 1-800-332-500. Cork Education and Training Board, helping Cork get back to work. Supported by Sullas Skills to Compete initiative.
2: CorkCityShopping.com is a free resource for Cork businesses and customers alike. Check it out. Shop local, shop Cork. Pure decent like. We've got you covered. Be it beauty, sports goods or homeware and furniture. CorkCityShopping.com is brought to you by Cork Business Association and Cork City Council. Support local,
9: support Cork.
0: Cork's Red FM is helping businesses reopen safely. Remember to follow the guidelines. Keep your distance. Cough or sneeze into your arm. Wash your hands. And if you feel ill, stay safely at home. Stay local. Stay safe. As Cork comes back to a new normal. Text the Neil Prendergast show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. i stay
1: with this another few minutes if you don't mind. Lean, good morning.
13: Hi, how are you Neil?
1: Okay, so you have um, whippy vans going in and out. Isn't it a lovely thing to see though, in spite of the <sighs> palpitations it's, too it's causing for... I know that, but like <laughs> go back three months ago and the the fear we all had, you know? We might have yeah, it again exactly. because we might as well open up everything because we probably will go back into lockdown in the autumn. So bring it on for now, I say.
2: Oh, well, it happened about two
13: weeks ago. Like that it was the first ice cream van that came in and my son ran in the door, Oh, please, can I get a whippy? Can I get a whippy? So I did because it was the first time, and like that, the kids, it was their first time out. Lockdown had just um, entered the phase where the kids were allowed out on the road. Yeah. And I allowed him. Second day, same time, here he is again. And I was like, You can't do this every single day. The freezer is full of ice cream. You can take one from the freezer. <laughs> so he took it reluctantly. Well, oh, how
1: so loop the loop the is road. it? Yeah. It A tangle twister. Funny. Are they still around? <laughs>
13: Which everyone was on offer. <laughs> the box on offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um the van to be very, very close to my house, so I watched him as he left the house reluctantly with his cheap bice and as I did the ice cream <laughs> the van <same> was thing. <laughs> Yeah. The ice cream van was just finished serving the kids and off we drove and here he was smoking in the front of the van. <clears throat> I was absolutely disgusted because he had literally just served the kids he was the only guy in the van so it's not like he had an assistant and someone else had mm, served them. I know, he's not yeah. doing himself
1: any favours there being not seen by parents. He had gloves no. on, he had gloves on though I'd say when he served the ice cream. I,
13: I mean, I don't know, I couldn't tell. I mean, I just saw him driving off I, and I was absolutely disgusted because I'm in a built up area which meant he was just leaving our estate to go into the estate next door.
1: And you the know. smoking, the smoking would be a no-no for you?
13: Oh, no, no. well, I would be anti-smoking anyway. Even but if I mean, he put smoke, gloves on after
1: he had the fag and served the but ice cream. I mean,
13: he's in a completely enclosed area. He's in a van. You know, I mean, your cones are probably on show and stuff like that. You know, yes, your ice cream is covered, but everything
1: else isn't. So what do you, you say know? to What do you say to your son now that it's dirty?
13: Yeah, well, my son is ten, so he understands anyway. But the minute I saw that, I was like, "Did you see that man smoking in the van?" And like, you're never getting that one ever again. But that didn't matter because there's two or three different fans come in every day. You're so joking like, me. That. That yeah.
1: I thought that they tried to stick to their own patch. No, you could have two or three different companies. Yeah, it?
13: yeah, you do. We definitely have two different ones. Maybe. Yeah. Ah, But not every day. Oh, every day. Every day. So our yeah. parents
1: then plagued every day.
13: Yeah. And one of my neighbours actually told me yesterday. I heard a man speaking about it earlier. It's not just the plain the ice cream. So now they want the Ferrero Rocher ones. They want the Kinder Bueno ones. So they're costing way more. And I mean, it's every day. Like my neighbour had said to me, she has three kids.
1: So that could so be can't. six euro, but nobody would give yeah. them, nobody would give them an ice cream every day. But or do, you just, do they break you down and you just give in?
13: Do you know what it is now? It's just a group out there. One kid is going to get it every day. So then you feel lousy on your child that's not getting it every day. You can't day. say
1: you had one yesterday.
13: I know. I know. Well, you have to. You have to.
1: So could I, could he, everyone and anyone just go and get a Mr. Whippy van and uh, kit it out and go?
4: No...
13: I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure because I think that would actually warrant a complaint to have it smoking in the van. Like you wouldn't be allowed All to right, smoke there's the, OK, there's
1: the smoking and the hygiene. I understand that. But just, yeah. the, sheer, but the, just the sheer amount of visits to a housing estate exactly, across exactly. the summer. It's a head wreck for parents.
13: Yeah, and also, like I had warned my child, and you know, it's very hard for social distancing between children. But the very first day when I allowed him get one, I was like, go over and stand a little bit back from the other children. He's not going to drive away, wait till your turn. But they're all running right up against the van.
1: Yeah, your kids are going to do that anyway. Oh, you know, when, they, when the kids they were are. able to go up, they, they were just like... Like, yeah, you know we need to we need to understand that you can't keep exactly. them apart twenty four seven. Yeah, like, you know it's outdoors. Yeah. like we have to have a bit of cop on. But the every single day, like I I went I went out a few summers in an ice cream van with uh, with Glanmore Ices.
8: Yeah,
2: and
1: I I was never in a cleaner environment. It was absolutely spotless. Like they wouldn't let me into the van until I put the gloves on first. I wasn't allowed bringing any personal items with me. Uh, I did have a mobile phone. It had to stay in the front of the cab when i was actually serving the ice cream the plate you could eat your dinner off the surfaces so and there was no smoking i mean that was just like yeah. a, like a foreign country so you know but i can't say that that's the same for everybody you know
13: no but as i say you wouldn't be allowed to smoke in a kitchen obviously if that this man smokes he can step out of his van have a cigarette get in wash his hands and put his gloves on but he was smoking in the
4: van. I know, I know, I know, I know.
1: You know I, I didn't think it was good enough. Not doing himself any favours. <laughs> all right, Lynn, all. appreciate that. It's no amazing problem. that there could be every single day two or three different Whippy Vans coming into housing estates. Lines open at 1850, 104 106 Great ice cream debate. Uh, what are the favourite ice creams in Cork, I wonder? I love the iceberg or the mint feast. Uh, failing that, a brunch. We, we'd often have a box of brunches in the freezer. Uh, more recently... It was the very, very posh and probably very bad for you, Magnums. Then you'd have the Cornettos. They're kind of a smaller Cornetto, aren't they, in the boxes? I think, they, you know, Do you ever buy the, the the six pack or the 12 pack of Tato crisps? There's hardly any eating in the bag at all. There's few in there. I mean, the bag is quite big, but kind of way down the end of it are the crisps themselves. But it, it uh, raises the debate as to what's the most popular ice laws and ice creams in Cork. For me, it'll always be in 99 and uh, I endeavour to get through the summer and eat as many of them as I can and hopefully I've had a couple already this summer hopefully there'll be many more but you know the you know the story about putting salt on top of the cone so your child will only try it once and never ask for a Mr. Whippy again I heard a story about a week or ten days ago I have some problem with Jack at the moment at home, the dog I mean it's, it's not a problem that anybody else has it's just me he's a plague when you're trying to eat he just my mother-in-law had an awful habit, God rest her, of feeding him from the table. And it was a lovely thing. And uh, she, a lot of the time she did it behind my back. And, you know, most times I didn't know. But he's developed a habit with the dog now that he's constantly hungry and harassing me for food. He, like, he he really just won't go away. So actually, at the weekend then, I decided that I would eat outside in the garden. And I left him inside and pulled the patio door closed. He's looking out at me, looking at the food. But somebody somebody said to me, one way of sorting that out would be, to open the fridge door and on the lip of the fridge this is probably animal cruelty on the lip of the fridge, put something on it um that's disgusting like what would what would you put like maybe maybe a little drip of chili oil or something, so he'd try that once, and then he would never ever ever want any of your food ever again I'm not going to try it incidentally because chili would be a very dangerous thing, and you'd burn but would it be what would work? I mean with jack I think very little because he literally would eat eat salad like. He eat tomatoes. He eats slices of cucumber. I mean, like, who almost us even likes cucumber? But I guess the dog doesn't know the difference. But I'm sure there are people out there who have the knowledge. Please share with me. Text to eight six eight one zero four one zero six. In the times we live in, we need f- more first world problems, considering what we've all been through in the last few months. Um, maybe, maybe it is a first world problem. You see, Leo Varadkar quoting Mean Girls in his latest government buildings speech. Now, already we've had. Leo and His Socks. We've had Leo and Kylie Minogue. We have Leo topless in the park. And then we had to put up with his movie quotes. I mean, I thought it was a lovely thing quoting Seamus Heaney. But then he went on to, quote, Dermot Kennedy and Lord of the Rings and even The Terminator. And then, of course, last week, he was he was um, challenged by Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings. Uh, a 50 euro bet, 50 quid that he couldn't fit in mean girls into the next speech. Um, And what do you think? He went and did it. Now, some people got upset about that. And I kind of understand why. Like, this kind of silly carry-on is not the kind of thing that's beholding of um, a a national leader, particularly when so many people are losing their jobs or on emergency payments or lost loved ones. But this has been a a montage of his carry-on, though, with some of the speeches
6: of
10: late. And it will come. Never will so many ask... So much of so few. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many, to so few. We're not prisoners of fate. We can't influence what's going to happen to us next. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves
2: no, okay. the whole thing goes. The future is not the set. There's
10: no fate but what we make for ourselves. She intends to change the future. The poet Seamus Heaney spoke about what was happening, and predicted that if we winter this one out, we can summer anywhere. As Heaney wrote, we were all the more together for having had to turn and walk away. Not long from now, some summer night, we will see our friends again. All my friends I'd love to stay some summer night I hope I see you again in the end it's only a passing thing the shadow even darkness must pass a new day will come and when the sun shines it'll shine out all the clearer
2: but in the end it's only a passing thing A new day will come
6: And when the sun shines It'll shine out the clearer
0: Now I'm going to bet you 50 quid Who says you can't fit mean girls into the next
10: one My answer Is that limit does not exist
0: The limit does
6: not exist Our new state champions The North Shore Matt There
1: you have it uh, The Taoiseach uh, Leo Varadkar Quoting Lines from movies in his speech involving the devastation of the coronavirus. Huh? What do you think of that? Ellen says, who the F is writing his speeches? Well, that was a challenge that he was given to squeeze in Mean Girls and, and, and he did it. It must be uh, must be having a good laugh behind closed doors and this kind of carry-on. Stephen says, they must have some laugh in the doll about what can they quote next while making a mockery of this wonderful country. Uh, John says, now I remember why I didn't vote for the Fina Uh, Dennis says, that Leo is some embarrassment. Good God almighty. Anya says, no word on cocooning people, no word on shops, um, on not adverting when it's safe to go in there. Sorry, I don't know what that means. Uh, No COVID payment for carers who have to mind cocooning people, uh, but this is what you get. And Brendan says, he is nothing more than an embarrassment. That's just the audio clip. I forgot, actually, he also quoted Churchill in there as well, and
0: lots more besides. 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show.
1: Where have people been going and where will they be staycationing? Uh, Blarney Castle is closed, but the gardens are open at full price, 18 euro per adult, with the castle closed. Staycationing won't be bringing me to Blarney anytime soon. Somebody else wondering, will hotels be charging the same amount, even if their leisure facilities aren't open? Or will those facilities, will they reopen on the 29th? How do we keep children entertained on these staycations? Well, I went through some of the lifting of restrictions where you'll be able to go to a swimming pool, but imagine the same would be said for hotels, but there would be maybe bookings and many, many hotels, sorry, many, many swimming pools will be open, but it will be restricted amounts from the 29th. Of course, the pub's open for food from Monday, but you won't have a pub open for only drink until July 20th, so that's somewhere down the track. Um, I'm really sick of people knocking Ireland and their prices. You could get a hotel in Killarney for four nights for two adults and two children for under 700 euro with breakfast. As you say, you're talking about people wanting and comparing overseas. If you're to fly to Malaga for four nights uh, with a lovely hotel, it's 770 euro for four nights. Flights are 120 on top of that, plus bags and insurance. Compare these prices. Stay at home, people, and support your own. Stay local this year, says Brida in Broaddale. Uh, Somebody else says people should stay local and not be bringing the virus back into Ireland after all of the hard work we've done. And just two or three more. It is impossible to get into a campsite this summer. Tons of them were booked up already. A lot of people are not taking tents. Um, So what are they taking? I was booking uh, the Castle Ross in Killarney for the end of July. Thursday to Saturday, €135. And they jumped then... To 280, this is a rip-off republic. I'd be better off spending my money abroad. Um, And there's more like that, which we'll come back to. Mind you, there's an interesting text or two about how the Irish never complain and all they do is call radio stations or send in texts when they should be complaining to the companies themselves. Pat says, when will we ever cop on to ourselves? If we go out for a meal and it's bad, um, I would go so far as to say awful. And we're asked, how's your meal? The reply usually is, great, thank you. It doesn't matter if it happens to be in Ireland or abroad, but when we leave the place, we complain like hell. If you're out and find something is not up to standards, then complain there and then. It's not much good having a row with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend or your partner about it. I see it out here in Ireland all of the time. Imagine if the same scenario happened in France. The French people would almost be out on the street demonstrating. We're supposed to be the friendliest people, but there's a big difference being friendly and being taken for mugs. I hear lots of people complaining about the price of this and that and the other. I understand that restaurants will need to make a profit, just like any business, in order to stay open. You should not pass on the full charge to your customer if you can. But we as people need to grow a pair. You should complain without being abusive. There is a way of complaining without being rude, says Pat. A message to us all, but I'm as guilty as the next, actually. Not complaining, you know. And I suppose we'd be doing them a service if you did complain because it would just mean the place would get better and less people would have the same experience you've had. Anyway, back to the phone lines. Laura, good morning.
2: Hi, who are you?
1: All right, so dogs and food. What's the deal here?
2: Well, I just remember a story that they used to say at home. Um, my nana used to have hens and they had a farm in Nacraha. And the, one of the dogs used to go into the chicken house all the time and eat the eggs. So what my granddad decided to do was he put maybe a straw or something into the egg and he took out the inside of the egg and he actually injected it in with um, Coleman's mustard and left it there for the dog. So the dog went <laughs> in to eat his eggs that day and bit into the mustard egg and ran around the yard looking for a bit of water and never again went into the chicken house again <laughs> and was a very happy loved dog. That was in the 60s but it's um, we had a dog at home that used to lick around the fireplace and stuff like that so I remember they said why don't you try the mustard like granddad used to do with the, at the farm so but what about
1: animal cruelty though people would be freaking out now if I went home and did something like that
2: well I'm sure he would have gotten a little tiny taste of it and he would say oh actually no I doubt he would have really consumed the large what if he puts mustard? him off his own food then I doubt it a farm dog I'm sure he'd be happy out to get Ah, for app
1: you app. yeah yeah it sorted him out you see if you feed a dog from the table they think that that's the right thing and it, and they're like that for life aren't they you can never break that habit then
2: I suppose so yeah but I mean I think any dog whether he's been fed from the table or not is going to look for food I think it's just in their nature isn't it is it I'd say so if you're but, eating around them but it's impossible to You see you can't enjoy your own food then
1: Oh I know I know. Wreck
2: in your head. And they're breathing all over you and Yeah, I know it's a it nightmare.
1: He ju- jumps up and everything on your lap. <laughs> trying to get up onto yeah. the table. You'll
2: have to call Caesar. Caesar? Caesar Milano, you know the dog trainer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's a dog whisperer, is he?
2: Something like that, yeah. He'll search you out.
1: No, I think I'll I think I'll try the Coleman's mustard, let you know how I get yeah. on.
2: Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, appreciate it. Thanks for that, Laura. Much obliged. Any tips? Greatly accepted. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after these.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one zero six. Red FM.
1: Just wants to know if anyone else feels uh, is feeling like people and especially staff in shops are just way too abrupt and not as nice lately. I don't want to say rude because they aren't, but it's still unpleasant since lockdown i feel as if i've been barked at by a lot of staff i was once in a certain supermarket with my boyfriend we couldn't stand together when paying for our shopping so i stood away he was struggling to pack the items so i put one foot forward and tried to grab the bottles of coke we had bought and the next thing i get from the assistant is back away with their hand showing me to back away i was amazed and walked away and and uh and i still said i hope you have a good day I know that it's their job and the guidance are here for our safety and supermarket staff are doing an amazing job. They're probably sick of people by now, but still, it's a crappy time for all of us. And for me to go to that exact supermarket that I live across the road from is now giving me anxiety because I feel like I'm doing everything wrong. Anyone else have bad experiences like this? Ah, sure. Put it in the background and forget about it, I think. Just move on. I mean, you're going to always meet people like even today, even these days are still... I still, because I'm uh, out and about shopping and going to supermarkets and things, and not everybody um, is is clued in. Some people just still don't get it, or they forget, or if you leave if you leave the gap that you're supposed to leave, somebody will, by mistake. There's not an intentional thing of people. They'll they'll think that they can stand in front of you, and all I do then is move back a little bit more. Rather, you don't make a deal out of it. Or if you're getting a trolley or something, and you're waiting to get the trolley, or waiting to disinfect your hands. There's always some rogue person is going to come in and go ahead of you and grab. Because they just they just never got it. And there's always going to be people who are just not gonna get it. I think you just need to forget about that incident because the staff have their heads wrecked. I mean, they've been doing this for three months. Think about it. Anyway, enough for me. Hope that helps. Jacinda, good morning.
7: Hi, how are you? So
1: even marmite won't work because dogs oh, like marmite. I actually you know yeah, something? Yeah. I actually like marmite.
7: Well, so do I. But I, I can't remember the last time I had a slice of toast or marmite all to myself because the dog even though he's 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 a work in progress um all my other dogs were trained to sit in their beds while we were eating they'd sit and when we were finished then they'd get their treat so if you don't
1: tra- if you don't train them when they're pups to that you c- it's forget about it for the rest of their life they'll just wreck your head well
7: yeah well this this latest fellow we have him just over a year now i suppose and he was 10 when we got him um he's a, a cocker spaniel he's very vocal he's very impatient but he he will wait till we have finished a meal. He, he'll sort of tap around and whinge, but he's not he's not jumping up. But I'm I feel like a blackjack dealer. I have to show him his ha- my hands. Like that's it. It's all gone. It's finished. But um, if he's good and he sits in his bed, then he gets um, half a doggy biscuit treat.
1: So he eats carrots, very, I'm told, that misfortunate dog. He likes carrots. Li- yeah. he likes carrots. Yeah. Who likes carrots? He,
7: well, he li- his, He must, in his previous life, he must have had carrots as a treat because if I go into the fridge and I get the carrots out, he is just so impatient. He's tapping around. So it's it's very easy. I to have, I,
1: but but look, that's a treat. That's fine. Yeah. But I'm talking about my own dinner. No, 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 no. I don't I to give him dogs. Like, you know, years ago dogs did not have beds in the house. They did not live in the house. They lived in a shed. No. They lived outdoors. They lived in yeah. the garage. They spent all their days outdoors. But, yes. But now they're real family yeah. members. like.
7: Oh, they are. They are part of the family. But, I mean, could you not train him to sit in his bed? Like, everyone else has to no. be on board you with him in the house. It. Everyone else has to Too be late. on board. Too late. Too late.
1: No. I've got to come up with something that's safe to give him that he says, yuck and never but wants to every-
7: everyone else in the house will have to do the same thing because he'll just transfer no but you see
1: people. my importance in the pecking order in the house is very low you know ok I don't really have a whole lot of power of authority unfortunately there would be
7: you're, you're, my wife you're not, the keep- you're not the keeper of the
1: resources no no there would be my wife my daughter my son Jack and then me in that order
7: and is the dog below you then or above, above you
1: above me he's bo- oh, way above me Oh, he might even Ooh. be above the kids
7: yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of start, yeah. He'll, he'll be sitting at the table in your chair in a That's
1: bit. it. That's what I'm expecting next. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, good luck, well,
9: good luck. Good luck, Myself. Text
1: 86 8104 I'll jump in and out of that if you've got more thoughts and calls on it. Pick it up, 1850 um, 104 Text 86 Certainly as we move through the coming weeks, and this day week, this day week, Uh, With all sorts of restrictions and things that you need to bear in mind, you'll be able to go into restaurants, hotels, travel outside of Cork, go anywhere in the country, book into a hotel, B&B, Airbnb, go camping, all sorts of stuff like that. It's going to be great, as Trump would say. You can also go into a pub, not just for pints, but to eat a meal. And you know the deal here. It's 105 minutes. You have to book ahead. You've got to, um, uh, you know, limit it to four friends at a table or six family members at a table. Uh, you have to order a meal and things like that. But in spite of all of that, of course, there still will be an awful lot of pressure on businesses even to survive because of the restrictions and what have you that we have in mind. But I mentioned last week that there's a big push now in um, giving businesses the opportunity to use outdoors, right? To use outdoors, where they'll be able to have pedestrian areas or areas that would have had traffic before for tables and chairs. And I think that would be fantastic. Because it happens very much in other parts of Europe, and if we get any bit of weather, it will be nice. I want to talk to uh, Owner Sullivan on this. Own good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And the and, your, and the idea here, of course, is that uh, we pedestrianise as many as we can, and that's what you guys at the uh, at the CBA want to do, isn't it?
14: Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's back to uh, Princess Street where a couple of the businesses there that have been driving and for for some of your listeners that would know Princess Street, you'd have businesses like Nash 19, you've Burned Pizza, you've Seeds, you've Pearl River, Rossini, Quindon Seafood, Rossini's, uh, Tello Tapas, you've a couple of really good food businesses um, on, on Princess Street. So the guys there have been working uh, together um, over the last number of weeks or months at this stage. To drive the eat on the street uh, initiative, so that we can entice people into the city and dine safely outside, out in the outdoors, which which is probably at a premium in Cork. There's not many and, places in Cork City where you can eat outside.
1: Okay, and this was pioneering for that street, and is that what we're going to see yeah. on
4: Monday?
14: Um, I hope so. I hope so. Um, like Cork City Council have been very hands on, Neil, and it's I suppose they have to be mindful of the fact that it's not all. Food businesses on the street, and they have to take a general view uh, and make sure that everyone's happy with uh, with this thing going forward. But I, I'm very confident that we'll get this off the line.
1: Yeah, but um, you don't know like how it will look, or but you know when will it start well, on Monday, or what if it rains? What you know?
14: Well, I suppose we we haven't got the green light yet, but what we're hoping is that we'll have up to forty tables on the street, and each business will look after their own tables and chairs. And uh, they take them in at night and put them out in the morning. Uh, so you've, you've an additional space of about 240 people plus. So they're mm. all going to be six-seaters. Um, and uh, I suppose al fresco dining on a, on a day like today wouldn't be the most. No, that's the thing. The but you have, have to take
1: the rough with the smooth, like.
14: Exactly, exactly. So th- there is talks of putting a permanent structure there for a roof or a parasol. Um, there was talks of even an old sail being put up there. So there, there, there is there is a plan to have that as a, a permanent, I suppose, a food tourism attraction for Cork.
1: Okay, but that's only good for those businesses on that street. It doesn't help all of the other businesses on other streets, Oliver Plunkett Street and places like that. Could this be rolled out in other areas, do you think?
14: Well, well what, what I would say is that if it's done well here, it can be rolled out across the city. Uh, and, and I suppose City Council are conscious of that and the Corporate Association mm-hmm. will be very conscious of that. That uh, What's good for Princess Street can be good for other streets. Now, obviously, other streets have, have, have separate challenges um, and other streets are very suitable. So I suppose where it works, it's great. And I think people will need additional space, Neil, to trade uh, and trade safely for both customers and staff. So I suppose... Yeah, and the rain.
1: safety aspect involves the potential to have your bag robbed, your phone robbed, being tapped for money, harassed, people walking past you.
14: Well, I suppose, Neil, the, the, the good thing was last Monday we... we we got a new guarded task force, so there's an additional twelve guardie and a sergeant uh, that will be based in the city flatlands. Uh, and we're, we're hopeful, and it's welcomed by the business community that this will be curtailed. Look, there's an element you can't you can't guarantee anything, but I think definitely having the extra boots on the ground in the city centre is going to make an awful lot of difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not sure. Sure, the guards t- signed up to be watching people as they ate, though. You know. Well, no, but well, no, there'd great. be less presence of problems on the streets, I suppose, to annoy people. Hopefully. Hopefully. Where else hopefully. would you think would this would work? Would it work on. Were you suggesting Oliver Plunkett Street pedestrianizer? Uh, were you I, suggesting McCurtain so. Street or.?
14: Well I think look as as the city's moving forward looking we're looking to have a greener city and I suppose less cars in around the city is better. Um like like on on Prince's Street alone there's probably 20 car spaces there it's unnecessary. Like you don't need to be able to go in and park there. I think Oliver Plunkett Street we've got good wide footpaths there and there's a couple of loading bays so there's Okay but path.
1: you have Winthrop Street, you have Cook yep. Street, you have Princess yep. Street obviously, you've got lots and of again. other
14: you do, you do, and and I even think McCarton Street, uh, the Victorian Quarter, the guys there are working very closely with with Cork City Council to get extra seat space. I don't, I don't think they're planning on fully pedestrianising that street but to get extra seat space outside businesses. Um, so look, there's, there's loads of different streets, Neil. Uh, I think Toki Street is another street that, that got pedestrianised and the, the guys there at Tom instead of putting tables out the front of their place uh, over the weekend. So look, it's, it's, it's something different. So when it's they put their thing. tables
1: and chairs out now, they're not going to get grief from the guards and they're not going to get fined by city council. Remember we had all sorts of nonsense with tables yeah. and chairs and sandwiches, but that's yeah, gone now, yeah. is it?
14: Well, well, at, at the moment, they're streamlining uh, licensing proceedings. So what I would suggest to any business, uh, would, by uh, in contact with your city council rep and make sure everything is above board so that they know what's going on.
1: And do you think that on July 25th that pubs will be allowed to use the outdoors? I mean, I see some beautiful places. One of the more beautiful aspects of the city on a sunny day is the beautiful uh, area outside the, the chateau, you know? Yeah. people outside yeah. having a couple yeah. of drinks outdoors and it's beautifully done. Absolutely. Wouldn't we want to see more and more of that, whether it's the Grand Parade, Patrick Street or the side streets? I think that's the
14: idea, Neil. Um, I think uh, businesses need I saw For that a bit of... Yeah, they need that extra flexibility and they need that extra bit of support now to get reopened. And I think the draw in the summer is always to head to coastal towns and coastal areas. So we need to give customers um, a different experience and we need to draw them into the city and give them something, uh, give them a different offering of of what they're used to.
1: Okay, so hopefully they'll get the green light for Monday then.
14: Yes, that's the
1: plan. Fingers crossed. And just with a just and so say all of us, but just before I let you go, with it, with regards to the changing face of Patrick Street, we did some work on it on the air there about a week ago, the amount of businesses yes. that are closed, the high rents. Yes. Isn't it inevitable yes. it's a question for the CBA now, but isn't it inevitable that retail slowly but surely will continue to diminish on Patrick Street and more people will migrate to the suburbs, shopping malls and to online and that you guys and council need to come up with a new idea for Patrick Street. Maybe that will involve it being just restaurants, just pubs, and hotels.
14: Well, I think that there's still a, there's still an appetite, although it's it's it is challenging. There's still an appetite for retail in Cork City, and Patrick Street is our main shopping street. And I'd like to see that uh, I'd like to see that remain as the main shopping street. Of course, it would be great to have uh, food and beverage outlets on Patrick Street, but like. There's only a certain amount of people in Cork City, Neil, and if if we spread that out, it's going to take from other areas of the city. So, like, let's try and maintain and encourage retail where it is. Now, obviously, online shopping is a, is a big challenge, and and the discussions about other outlet centres being developed. Like, the, the retail needs to be protected. Now, I was I was blown away by the support that was given once. Uh, phase two was, was the city was reopened there was so many people around town there was such a great buzz around the city and it just proved and i have spoken to a yeah, lot but of when
1: was that like on a Saturday afternoon or something is it well it
14: was, it was midweek Neil like I think the day, the day they reopened it was queues so I was in town most days when, when, when they got reopened yeah and but they were said, they clearance sales though not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Somewhat. But there was one or two, right. but a lot of businesses were just reopening and, and, and the businesses that aren't closing down. So there was there was a lot of there was a lot of footfall around town, and it gave me a, a major boost of confidence for the city centre.
1: Okay. So you you think that this is reversible then,
14: um, Patrick well, Street, well, on the decline in retail? Well, well I, I think. Obviously, for the major flag- flagship stores, so the, the Debenhams and Oasis and the big chain stores, because this is a global pandemic, if a couple of stores aren't performing, it'll pull down the whole business. So we'd see the effects of that in Cork. That doesn't necessarily mean the Cork wasn't profit or weren't trading well or wasn't profitable. So... Uh, to say that Cork City is the issue, this is a global issue. Patrick Street so, some, primarily, I'm talking uh,
1: yeah, about. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Oliver Blunker Street yeah. is booming. I'm talking about Patrick Street.
14: Yeah. yeah, so like Patrick Street was predominantly occupied by by the big brands, the big flagship stores. So it, it would be unfair to, to tarnish Patrick Street and saying it's, it's not performing because there is, a, there is a lot of football in Patrick Street and I think there's a lot of potential still there for Patrick Street. It's just that I suppose you're reliant on the big Big retailers, and they've been affected probably the most in, in in this pandemic.
1: Well, we don't want to see the closure of any more big anchor tenants,
14: then, we, do we? We don't. No, we don't. Okay. We don't. But look, I I, I think I think uh, it's inevitable that there may be more um, as we as we as we probably move on and and, and further reopen the city. So um, it's 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 regrettable, but I think it's it is going to happen. So I I, I would say that there is. There is hope there for Cork. Um, Patrick Street is still a great stand, um, like the Debenham side. I would, lo- I would hope to see that repurposed and redeveloped into probably a smaller retail units with maybe some dining or food and bath outlets, or even some accommodation. So, like, it's a great stand. It's down there. Uh, it's next to Brown Thomas. Anybody showing any
1: there. interest in it? Do you know?
14: I think it's too early to say. I okay. think it's too early to say, and um, there has been interest. Um, and there's been other uh, information coming into our office about it, but I think it's too early to, to put anything there. Put, but you'll be the first to know, Neil, if all we right get... All so, right, well,
1: bring on Monday then, and so say all of us, more, more of the pedestrianisation of the city, are saying. Cheers, Owen, Absolutely. take care for now.
14: Thanks, Neil,
1: take oh, care. I'm President of the Cork Business Association. I've been accused of being overly negative um, on this programme from time to time. I think you're never going to get the balance right all of the time, particularly on the journey of the last three one seven. Doing the best I can, but not everybody agrees. This this is unsigned, but that doesn't frighten me away from it. I think the government did a fantastic job. Could you have done any better from your own armchair, I wonder? Would you feel safer in the UK or the USA maybe right now? I have a close relative in a nursing home whose residents have come through this perfectly. But again, there's more headlines from shouting about the poor people who didn't. And I see those faces in RT most evenings and I feel so much for their families. I have a sister who nursed and is nursing through all this pandemic. It was a scary time, but again, thanks to the guidelines, everything is doing just fine. I worked right through the pandemic. I got up every day and went out into the big wide world. I didn't work from home like many did. Thanks to the government, I felt as safe as I could be, considering nobody knew anything about what COVID would or could do. I've listened to you on and off over the past couple of days and you're nothing but negative. You're fueling the audience's negativity. Oh, and by the way, politics-wise, can I remind you that 75% of people did not vote for Sinn Féin? I think you need reminding of that almost daily. Uh, I promised myself that if anything or anyone made me cross during the pandemic, I had the power to turn off or block out. Thank you for that. Don't know, I don't know your name. It wasn't signed, but I'm happy to read it out on your behalf. That's your interpretation of my uh, performance over the last few months, and thank you for it. Come back after the break.
0: The Neil Prendival Show
5: on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850, 104, 106.
1: A woman on the air last week, and she said that she hugs and hugs her grandchildren, and I said, you can't hug people. Uh, Textra says, I honestly can't listen to you. You are ridiculous saying things like, you can't hug. Oh my God, Neil, what planet are you on? 0.0036 of 1% in Cork are infected. What can't you understand about this? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I know, uh, I know that um, the infection rate in Cork is absolutely tiny and there are no issues really. There's no stretch at all on our hospital service. But I'm still going by the guidelines. Perhaps you're not. I mean, I'm still... Hand washing, I'm still using sanitizers, I'm still standing two meters away from somebody in a queue. Uh, I'm not hugging, I'm not shaking hands. Maybe I'm the only person that's left not doing it. I don't know what part of that you don't understand. I mean, until such time as they say that some counties can hug, and until such time as they say that some counties can shake hands, um, the the guidelines include no hugging. Uh, I mean, What do you want me to do? Go on the air and say, okay guys, listen, This things that are called crock of S-H-I-T hug you know um, shake hands have sex with strangers do whatever you want like I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't I'm in contact with hundreds of people every day and there's no side of COVID-19 and the hundreds I'm in contact with are also in contact with hundreds more people and still no one got sick Bear in mind, this is in one of the country's largest retailers where I work. Another text says, my understanding was that all deaths that happened while we were in lockdown were classified as COVID-19, all of them. I saw this on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) loads of times. So I'm not saying it's true, but my understanding was that medical staff were too busy to do autopsies. Also, just in relation to that lady that said she was hugging people, oh my God, does she realize how reckless she is? She should ask permission to hug people first and warn people before she spontaneously hugs them. Well, I've heard all of that before about all deaths being classified as as COVID-19. I'll say no more than that for now, but I will take some medical advice on it to see if that was the case, because my understanding of it is it wasn't. If somebody died of another cause and they had COVID-19, it was then put down as COVID-19. But somebody who died who didn't have COVID-19 was not stated as a COVID-19 death. My mother died suddenly at the end of March. It was not COVID-19 related. Someone tried to tell me that all deaths were being recorded as COVID-19. In fact, my poor father was petrified that it would be in the death cert when we knew there was no chance of it happening at all. I now have my mother's death cert here, and it tells the truth. There is nothing about COVID-19 in it as it should be. Well, thank you for that text of sanity. Morning. Does anyone actually know someone who's gotten COVID? Aside from what we've heard on the news, I reckon it's blown out of all proportions and we are just being controlled. Somebody else texts as much as I believe there is a virus. I think everything has been over the top. A friend of mine, her grandmother passed away from cancer. Her death said COVID-19. She was never tested for COVID-19. I pass on the text to you for what it's worth. COVID-19 is certainly not a hoax, as your caller stated. Anyway, if he believed it was all a hoax, why was he still taking precautions at all? Some people need to stop talking crap. He hasn't a clue. COVID-19 has killed way more people than flu ever does in Ireland. He can read the helpful stats um, if he wants to educate himself. The website, HPSC. Sorry, I can't come on air, but callers like that concern me says Kieran. And there's lots of text then on things like uh, social distancing and what have you. On Friday's programme, we had a lovely conversation with Amy Ring, who wrote a beautiful book on the Colquet. It's called Up the Colquet. We're trying to help her to have it published so that the public can get their hands on a beautiful book. It's a, it's a petite, tidy little hardback book with fabulous colour photographs of all sorts of characters from the Colquet. We had a great chat with her uh, on Friday morning. Some of the photographs actually came uh, from Ligo, Limo O'Higgine uh, the Cork historian, and fair play to Liam for providing the photographs to, um, to Amy. But when you look at these photographs and you look back at the days when there was no physical distancing whatsoever, of course, the Colquay is a very much changed scenario now, and I don't think for the better. But Liam, good morning. Good morning, Dave. So she's related to many of the people who grew up down in the Colquay, and you gave her some wonderful photographs. Fair play to you. You must have a treasure trove of pictures, have you? I'd have a few <laughs> Did you give her the one of the inside of Katy Barry's She-Bean, where she's serving what looks like baked potatoes and crew beans to a couple of characters on a bench?
5: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have another few of them, but I don't publish them. I don't show them to people because um, some of the people are still alive. You know, and I don't want to be um, just shown to people, simple as that.
1: And what year, What era year would that particular photograph, would that have been the 50s or the 60s or what? The 50s,
5: I'd say, the 50s
1: and the 60s.
5: I walked in Musgraves, you see, in there as a messenger boy, and um, I was going on to carry Barris for a bottle of lemonade and a barrel of chocolate. That was <laughs> so often, and I um, was in the shop, and you know, you'd meet people going in and out there. But, but she the, was a lovely lady, but and the, uh, I went to congratulate Amy, the, her little book was lovely, and uh, I'm sorry that she didn't contact me, because I could have given her a lot more information than she has in this
1: I know, I suppose, but, you know, it's a school project and maybe she might want to do an updated version of it if you want to help her with it.
5: Yeah, I think she should, actually. I think she should, because it's very informative and, um, you know, it's basically about our own family, which is lovely too. um,
1: When you 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 were going into Caddy it was during the day. Nighttime took on a completely different persona, didn't it?
5: So I'm told, you know, there's a lot of false stories about it as well, I'd say. But um, I know I do know that she had um she was sell she wasn't licensed to sell drink, you know, but she alcoholic drink, but she did like and um, you know the stories that talk towards I say a lot of them are exaggerated
1: we like we liked a bit of exaggeration though. I don't know if she ever got raided, but she was in court from time to time though. But she found I that a lot well, that once or twice the judge and the and the prosecuting solicitors would have been customers of hers and stuff like that. <laughs>
5: Well, yeah, there's one little story in the book. But the, the, the story I have, that was um, when the judge was questioning her, she said, is that you, John? She I didn't recognise you with the beard, with, with the week. <laughs> with the week. With <laughs> <laughs> the week. But, um, no, I have great story. I tell you now, Neil, when we were young, we spent great time in the cold care as youngsters. And, like, there was great excitement when the, 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 we was, we were was calling farmers at the time, because they were only marty animals. if you like, right, from long and these places, and going back to the town when there were no houses in Ballyby Yeah, And they'd come in with their um, their vegetables and stuff and they'd back the hoss and butts up against the curb all along all Street. Three days a week from Tuesday, um, Thursday their their and Saturday. And uh, the shopkeepers would come in and they'd buy all the fruit and veg- vegetables from these people.
1: Would the market then be buying from them? Would the market have their own stuff then, I wonder?
5: The English market, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they did come over and buy stuff as well. Um, as I said, they were, they were market gardeners, but we, as we used call them coaches and farmers. and uh, They were um, only from Bellefiant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But so we didn't know any different. I mean, we had never seen Bellefiant. You know, the only time we would go to ballyhame was before. But now it's a bonfire or something. I like mean, that. isn't
1: it amazing that, that, like, what kind of fruit and vegetables? Because you'd struggle now to get an Irish tomato that's not Dutch. Do you know what I mean?
5: I do oh, We didn't know what tomatoes. So or that What food. were and they corn. selling? So, is it cabbages? Onions and carrots and cabbage and potatoes and things like that. You know. I mean, uh, we um, managed they had a cabbage and carrots found and you know, found at the safe houses in the marsh area because we we never went home empty handed ah, let us put it that way like you didn't pay for yeah, it either yeah. and we were never asked where we got on or anything they were just trying to the party and i by the way together and we loved them do
1: you know what I'd say you were like when you were young did you ever see the artful Dodger in, in Oliver in the mo- that was you I'd yes. say he was only trying out ask us I'd say he could learn a few tricks from you <laughs> we were known as the street auctions? And with the with the fellows, then with the farmers as such, because they used to come in from all quarters. They go for a couple of pints, then, wouldn't they? In the p- local hostelries, there was a lot of pubs on the on the coke, wasn't there? Yeah,
5: well, there was you know there well, was actually, but the, the thing I remember most about them was um, when I walked to Muswaves right across the road from Muswaves uh, there by Portney's Lane there was a um, Kellnies restaurant. Go away. and they had these timber benches and tables outside the door and all the farmers um, well the those people and on the farmers they'd go across there and you'd see them sitting down with their bowls of tea and their big sandwiches you know big doorsteps um, and uh, they'd have a couple do you know chat radio did they, were me, they were doing, like, it was a hive of activity I think I oh, I mean that like, did you know Andy Gore? there's some beautiful photographs of Andy Gore in the book did you know him Andrew Egan, I did, of course, and I was afraid in my life when I was younger because he had a fierce kind of shake in his hand and he'd come over and he'd give you a penny. But, like, if you are with your mother or your father, they'd give him... And That's right. And just, yeah, but, he was,
1: he was <laughs> passing he, it on. He'd be tapping with one hand and giving it to kids with the other.
5: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, he, he was a you nice, know, quiet man, really. You know, and He lived, actually, he lived, I don't know, I, uh, in the book, there you know, it says he lived in Courtney's inn. But I remember when he lived in um in and we even was his near.
1: You know they um, need to they need to put a a sculpture or a statue or to commemorate the Shawlies on the Coke, don't they? I think it's the onion one of one of the onion sellers is there, right? But they need
5: Absolutely.
1: You know they need a proper piece of work, don't they?
5: They should they, they should really and um you know the 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 group you know the... The Preeti scandal and all this group of women there, that, the, the Charlies, are there. they're keeping their tradition going, you know? Yeah. It would be lovely if they had um, a statue in the courtyard yeah, of all these people. I mean, sure, Catty Barry and as well, I'll have a separate one for Catty Barry. I don't know if it'll cost money, I suppose, but to be nice, to be nice, like Molly um, Malone in Dublin, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah.
5: What so about Holy- who was Holy Joe then? Was he a regular well, character? Holy Joe used around the city with his, um, his sister. Dom Dom was on there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no, I was, you know, was in quite old longish sure, but it's got on, just had a, a gallon. You remember the Billy Cans Langor? Yeah. He'd, he'd always had a Billy Camp. No, I never found him. I was in the Billy Camp, but he's gone on all like that, and he uh, was an innocent old character, really. Uh, it, it,
1: I, we might look back at him now fondly, but there were tough times, weren't there, because the living worked, conditions were.
5: Totally and it was that tiny, like, you know, you had, it, as you said, you no, know, and they're gone. The, ranch, the rancher, the rancher, and his boss here, and Clandike, and all them. they more free. That's right. You know, I don't know, I I know, like, there's no characters in Cock now. Why do you think they're all gone? Why are they I all gone? I've got the list of characters, and I have about 40, 45 of them that were on Cock at the time. And they do a little talks on and I can't And every remember. And now some. People don't remember them all, but you know, all of them remember some of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, Very yeah, yeah. They're staying outside the, the, the cinemas, the and the clothes will be up, and they'll be playing, all and down to y'all, left the baby for it. <laughs> yeah, one am I chewing on it? They just love him. They just love him. And, um, Happy days. And you know, some people then, getting back to the court again, there were some families, and they had a lot in South Australia Road, where Casement Celtic Park is out. And um, they brought their own vegetables. And I can remember my father the lady to him, and he take my myself and my friend Michael Keenan out to Skerrow on a Saturday morning in the boxcar, and we'd be picking up the house manure, uh, going out, and uh, that was the manure for the, the cabbage and. That's manure, right. And yeah, that's a
1: lot of people old. had allotments. They really. My father had allotments with his brothers yeah. way down the lower road, just adjacent to the old railway tracks, and that was a very popular right. spot for years. And that's what they did. You know, that's the way it was. Well,
5: My father used to take us down to the back of um, the Black Cat Castle to get seaweed for the manure for the potatoes. Get away. Uh, Yeah, you know, so... Happy days. Do you remember the old money, money, Neil? I do. Yeah, yeah. The make and the the lap and the cloud and all that kind of stuff. No, I don't remember the time. It was very
1: small. I remember the old pennies and thruppences and shillings and things.
5: Yeah, but they all all had nicknames.
1: You know well, so what was a lop? Then I remember the term people used the lop.
5: The lop uh, that was a penny, and there was actually four names for a penny. There was a penny, a copper, a clad, and a lop. <laughs> there was that was a penny, like and the the here them was called a make. Was that just in Cork then? Yeah, those words. I don't know. We seem to have other one <laughs> I I I'd never say it was you know because um like even some of the streets they all had a name after done like penny. Not me in air, soap me in air, eh. dark air, eh. shining air. Eh. Nobody knows the air bedroom. And one day it was air. A bottle was a shilling, a sprazi, or a tanner was a sixpence.
1: A <laughs> sprazi, right? A sprazi, a heart. Heard of a tanner.
5: Uh, yeah, half a dollar.
1: I'll have How we ever came up with? Would you give us the ox or the apple is beyond me. I have you no idea where ox the came ox, from.
5: The ox. The ox. What oh Maybe it was different north side, south side terminology. Or, you're keeping your distance. <laughs> I mean, one second on. Where's he gone? you are keeping. You'll keeping the ox, and every fight is coming off for the ox. <laughs> and and the, uh, or the butt of the fag. <laughs> The boy, you stood on top of the steps in the courthouse, and anyone going into the courthouse, of course, would throw you the portly.
1: And how and old there, would you be then, picking up in your short pants?
5: About but, uh, 12 or 11, I'd yeah, Picking it. up some fella's woodbine, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they, were the only, they were the only cigarettes we knew. Go away. My father smoked them, Many, many is the one who robbed him. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? I'd like, I, I can remember the polio epidemic in the 50s. And that time, the, the biggest catastrophe of all time was that the lee baths were closed. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, and that was that's what, that was us being eh? we spent our summers on the <laughs> lee baths, and um, the idea that we couldn't go swimming there, we should always go everywhere swimming. We outside the mercy, we all learned how to swim outside the mercy hospital. I uh, you know. Even Did I anyone thought, get drowned? No, no, I never remember anyone being drowned.
1: All right, okay. Well, there's some beautiful photographs in the new or in the Kingsley Hotel of the old Lee Bats because they built it upon it. And this have you been out there? Oh, I have, yeah, yeah. Gorgeous, I, gorgeous black I, and white. You'd be talking I, thousands of kids,
5: like thousands. I sat inside and they having a meal in the, in the Kingsley looking out the window and to the Rebel Lee where we were swimming. And there was a, actually a, a hot bat outside the window. And that's what I was saying to my friends. I was saying, if anybody told me as a child that I'd be sitting in a hot bath in the hotel looking out onto the river of swimming, I know. I'd never have believed
1: it. You can't stop you know? time, my friend. And I'm out of time for now. But listen, do stay in touch, Liam. We'll catch up again, all right? All
4: right. Appreciate
1: it always, as always. Always great because he's just always happy and great stories, nostalgic stories. Well done to Amy Ring. Her book is called Up the Cold Case. She wrote it. Uh, as part of her transition year. It was a fantastic undertaking in her behalf. And now people wanted to roll it out so they can buy it where all good books are sold. Hopefully we'll be able to help her with that. You know, many businesses are reopening. It's great to see local businesses reopening slowly but surely. And Doreen's Bakery, they're based at the Westside Center on the Model Farm Road. They're reopening tomorrow. They get the ovens going, and they'll be inviting everybody in to buy their beautiful, beautiful cakes and biscuits and what have you, and bread. So they open tomorrow, they're based at the Westside Centre on the Model Farm Road, and they're happy to welcome all their customers back, old and new, back to the bakery, and you know what? She sent us some beautiful, tasty, freshly baked treats this morning, Uh, and in the box are lemon squares and strawberry squares and coffee squares and chocolate squares and biscuit cakes and Viennese whirls chocolate eclairs cream pastries I see some beautiful brown bread in there as well and I think what looks like probably just for me two gorgeous Chester cakes so if you're well done Doreen and congratulations you got through this you're open tomorrow and people will support you at the Westside Centre on the Model Farm Road and if you have a business reopening or coming back to life do get in touch with me. I'm happy to give shout-outs on that. You can either text 0868 email neil at redfm.ie. It's not a requirement that you have to feed me, but it's nice of Doreen, and thank you for that. We'll feed the troops here, for the few of us that are here, and thank you for it. You can also get in touch with me on Instagram, on my own Instagram page. If you're not following me, perhaps you might like to. It's a nice, happy place. Okay, i got about uh, three minutes or so, and we'll do some shout-outs to close after these.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show, on Twitter, at Neil Red FM. Okay,
1: just before the shout-outs, tomorrow and again on Thursday, I have some wonderful giveaways for you. Tomorrow we'll be giving away a wonderful, wonderful five-star experience in the heart of Killarney Park in the Muckras Park Hotel and Spa for you and whomever you choose to take with you. And that'll be tomorrow because the hotels are reopening and it's great to be talking about these kind of conversations Two nights away. This is courtesy of ourselves in Ainua Collection. They're Ireland's leading regional group of four and five star hotels. Proud to be pure Cork as well, Ainua. And the hotels all over the country from Killarney to Kilkenny, Sligo Athlone, Limerick and more tomorrow. This includes breakfast and a three course meal on one of the nights. So they're two nights away. And tomorrow it's the Muckers Park Hotel and Spa. All right. So make sure you're listening uh, for that. And as we get back to more and more reopenings, I hope to have more and more gifts to pass on to you. But for now, we're dealing with Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park, and Ramen Asian Street Food Restaurants. there. Anglesey Street branches doing click and collect. So our vouchers today are for ramen and roosters. Morning. I live in Maastricht. I listen to the show every day. It's such a great way to keep up to date on all things from home, especially during these times. I was born in Bantry. My parents are living out way. If possible, I'd love for you to offer them a voucher so they can enjoy a little treat. I love listening overseas. Keep up the great work. And that's from Tracy Taylor in the Netherlands. Morning to you. Morning to My fantastic husband, Pat, is, a, is my carer. He cooks, cleans, does the washing and the shopping. Please consider him for something nice to give him a rest from cooking. Thank you so much. Uh you still doing vouchers? Yes. Could you give my niece, Katie, one for her 12th birthday so we can celebrate a socially distant, um, well, you're saying pizza, but at this stage now it's roosters and ramen. Thanks so much from her aunt, Uh, happy birthday to Kate oh this is lovely thank you for the voucher for Tom Durkin meets my children and grandchildren say thank you too they'll be up in July to visit me and we'll have a barbecue thank you from all of us and Denny he's just saying thank you and you give a huge thank you to the gentleman who handed my son's bike which was stolen from outside our house in Maryborough Woods on Tuesday he handed it into Douglas Garda Station apparently he was looking for his own stolen bike and he came across ours Mm. we're very grateful because the bike was new And he could have just left it. Maybe if he contacts you, you could give him one of your vouchers to Sharon and Charlie Devine. I'm wondering if maybe there was a voucher for the lads in Alan O'Reardon Motors and Toker going above and beyond to help. They never overcharge. They're accommodating. No job is too big and so small. They did a big job for me last week. And Stephen looked after my car. My one final one. I'll be married to a wonderful woman 40 years this week. She was 19 when we married. For that, I was wondering if there was possibly something that I could surprise her with. We live five miles from Drimmer League and five miles from Bantry. I can't think of anything nicer than sitting home on the seafront eating some fresh food, says Stephen. Well, we'll sort you out with something. Keep those shout-outs coming. The idea is to get as close as I can uh, to next Monday and then we'll probably park the shout outs at that stage and we'll have come through, um, you know, many, many stages of COVID-19 together. Uh, and of course, we've got one more hoop to jump as we go through July, but we'll do some more shout outs if you want throughout the course of the week. Just get in touch. Email Neil at redfm.ie, text 086 or get in touch with me. Um, on my own Instagram page, if you so choose. Uh, lots more to do actually. There was a lot of. you know, we spoke about NCTs and car tax and stuff like that on Friday's program. Got a big response to that with regards to people who are in a similar situation. Uh, and we don't have time to deal with any of those today, but I will tomorrow. So at this stage, we'll park it, come back in the morning, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.